from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Star Joe's Podcast, episode 166, Star Joe's A Suck Story. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Robert. I'm John. Welcome back, everyone. Yes, this is one of our infamous suck episodes. These are the episodes where there's just been a lot of news or we weren't prepared for an episode. <laughs> and we just ramble on about anything and everything that's out there. So um, if this is your first time, uh, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> if it's not your first time, you know what to expect in these episodes. So. <laughs> then it's your fault. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, before we get to going too far, I do have a message from our uh, one of our other hosts, uh, Mr. Gallant. Uh, I contacted him today. He's been uh, he's been out of pocket for a while, just like Robert. Which Robert's great to have you back. But uh, but Shannon, in his own words, when I said, "Do you have anything to tell your fans?" He just simply said, "Snap a bat." <laughs> <laughs> awesome oh perfect yeah and he he will be back he just couldn't make it tonight uh he had he had other plans already scheduled for tonight but he has promised to return uh robert we were we were shocked to hear you were showing up so uh, pleasantly <laughs> shocked but we were shocked <laughs> what are you doing here get out of here <laughs> Um, so how things been for you? It's been a few episodes, I think, since we've had you on. So. I know. Um, yeah, things have been good. It's been um, – I am on a crazy project that's very, very different than anything I've done before. And that's kind of come with its own kind of headaches and challenges. But it, like, challenges in a fun way. It's a lot of design mm-hmm. stuff. It's this big sci-fi story. So I have to design okay. everything, you know, in the world. Wow. Um, so that, I didn't expect – how time consuming that would be. It's fun. It's a really fun challenge, but yeah, anytime you deal with sci-fi stuff or I guess fantasy to a certain extent, like you just come up with everything. I mean, it's not like there's like a, a precedent. Building, yeah. yeah. It's very much. Yeah. It's all a lot of world building. So, um, 
I don't know. Have you heard about this publishing company, 451 Publishing? Yeah, I've heard the name before. All right. But... It's very new. I didn't know anything about it until I started working on this. So Michael Bay Productions, his production studio, is funding this new comic book publisher called 451 Publishing. Okay. Uh, it's a really smart idea. I think the idea is that instead of them searching out comic book properties to then create and make into movies, they he said, look, I've got a whole stack of scripts here that people submit to my publishing studio or production studio. And um, I think, you know, some of these would be worth seeing if it would be viable as a movie, but we don't want to pump you know, $100 million into it to find out. Sure. And so they're like, well, let's create a a comic book publisher for ourselves and then try out a lot of these projects. And then based on their popularity or how, if, if they look nice visually, then we'll greenlit or green light the project to be made into a movie. It's a cool so, concept. Yeah. Really neat. Yeah. Um, so this, so since it's Michael Bay, is there, are you having to draw lots of explosions and pretty women and <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah, that's that's all it is. They're like draw, draw draw the prettiest girl you can, but you know, um, draw a facial expression that doesn't match up with what she's saying at all. Like, <laughs> like try and make this like purposefully horrible act- acting. And, anytime and there's robots, explosions behind her. Yeah, anytime, <laughs> anytime there's robots, draw them grappling so you can't tell where one starts and the second one finishes. <laughs> so. Um, I don't know. It's uh, I probably shouldn't be saying this publicly considering I'm working for them now, but the, so the idea is that, uh, uh, so I like that concept. I mean, it makes sense, uh, for them. And so I'm working on this book that is written by Rob Cohen. Um, and it's a sci-fi Michael Bay type movie. So you'd have like the character drama of something from like, Oh brother, where art thou? But in space and with, uh, aliens and robots and stuff. Very cool. So anyway, it uh, I started on it in late fall, um, but then there was some hold up stuff with uh, with this rewriting the script, which then meant or the screenplay, which meant the script had to be redone, and then um, and then I had a number of the projects and a few kind of you know just medical issues that came up that kept me from getting work done. But so we finally are back on track and getting stuff done on a regular basis. So I had uh, Juan Castro inking it with me who nice. inked all my stuff on snake eyes. Yeah. Um, but right now he's also inking Aquaman for DC. <clears throat> oh, okay. So he yep. had to leave the project uh, just so he could get all of his stuff done. And we were a little behind. So we had to, he had to prioritize okay. what he was working on. Sure. So then I picked up, uh, so Brian Shears inking me on this project too. Oh, awesome. Nice. So nice. uh, it's been fun working with him and he's part of my art studio. And of course he's been inking Shannon for, for years now. So uh, yeah. Um, and we are cool. actually planning, uh, he wasn't able to make it tonight, but we were actually planning on getting Brian on the show uh, sometime in the, yeah. in the near future. Cause we had, a, I mean, I had a great time meeting him and getting to know him at Baltimore con. Uh, but uh, I know you guys both know him very well and have known mm-hmm. him for a while. So um it'll be a fun one and hey if we get them on enough times we'll just make them a host because that's what we do here that's so. right the, uh, our, our logo is getting a little crowded but uh we, i'm sure we could fit him in we can make i don't know like, if you... who is that little character you know his name he's like the muppet character that hung around jabba's palace 
Oh, uh, salacious, salacious crumb. Yeah, yeah. We could have him like hanging from the top, like hanging right. down, like just bearded and all Brian Sherry, you know. Um, I don't know if you heard the episode that we just did with uh, the What's on Joe Mind guys, but oh, I didn't. Uh, I wish I could have made that. Dang. So that that was a kind of a joke, running joke with them is that we just keep bringing artists on and making them hosts. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good pattern um, that works. Yeah, it is. So um, it, it, we like to think it adds some legitimacy, but it, it really doesn't. So. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so one of the things we wanted to talk about was uh, had a, had a surprise drop this week, uh, which was the Star Wars Rogue One trailer. I was going to say there, that this came out of nowhere. I mean, yeah. they didn't announce it or anything that like countdown or anything like that. The the night before it aired, so it aired on what was it, Good Morning America? Yes. Wow. That's interesting. So the night before it aired, I was watching TV and saw a commercial saying that it was going. It was like an eleven second snippet of some of the like the Shadow Trooper looking guys, and it said Rogue One trailer premiering tomorrow on Good Morning America, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so I know you guys have watched it. Um, I watched it like 8,000 times already. Um, <laughs> so, so what do you, what are your guys thoughts? What do, what do you think? I don't know who wants to go first, but, uh, I'll, I'll go real quick. Cause I just watched it. So, mm-hmm. I'm, so it's like very fresh in my mind. I've only seen it once and mm-hmm. I want to watch it a bunch more. I, I want to see it. First off, I'm so excited and amazed at how it feels like it slots right into that world. Like yeah. it, it immediately just feels like, Oh crap. All of this stuff was going on too at the same time of those original movies. Um, mm-hmm. But it looks like slicker, you know, it looks newer. It yeah. looks, um, you know, just like modern production. Uh, so uh, I don't know if, if, if the acting is good, then I can't see how this could go wrong. I mean, honestly, it's, yeah. it's set in the, original trilogy of time period of the rebellion empire time period, but it's just, so you have that backdrop of all everything we know that's going on, but we're just get to see more in that world, which is what I've always loved about the expanded universe books. And just that concept of, we only saw the tiniest portion of that universe in the movies. Now it was the, the main events, you know, obviously that propel the story, but, the rebellion's huge. The empire's huge. How many other characters and interesting stories can be thrown in, uh, which yeah. is the whole idea. And the visuals were phenomenal. I loved seeing the old school, like uniforms of the X-Wing fighters and the yeah. rebellion troops. And, um, oh, man, seeing the discs, you know, slide on to the death star. The death star like, yeah. Oh awesome. <laughs> and the AT-AT walkers <laughs> in a different scenario besides Hoth. Like, yeah. Ah, well, the cool, th- the cool thing, too, is the director is known for being able to show scale really well because mm. uh, he did the Godzilla movie. Oh, yeah. And and so he's really known for being able to show large scale versus, you know, and showing how big something really is. Um, and he definitely shows that, like you were talking about with the, the disc going into the Death Star and, and you see it next to Star Destroyers, which look super tiny compared to it. Yeah. And then showing that Adat Walker scene where. Uh, you have it's from the viewpoint of the soldiers on the ground and they're looking up at those things 
you really get an idea of how huge those things are. So, John, well, what do you so think? I, I, yeah, I was going to say, I don't oh. have much else to say besides I, it looks phenomenal and I can't wait to see more. So I, I'm all yeah. for it. Awesome. John, what were your thoughts? Because I know your I got Don, I know your boy I got, showed I, up in it. <laughs> I got Donnie in. <laughs> I was so excited, and he was fighting. He had a stick, yes. it was like a sword. It was awesome. And I've heard. I heard his. I, I don't know if this is true, but I heard his character is supposed to be blind. Oh wow! Okay. Oh, so interesting. He obviously is blind, but can kick some serious ass. <laughs> well, I, I have to say, yeah, I you know, look, I I found the the story behind this one really intriguing from the beginning. Um, yeah, wow, this is two episodes in a row where I've had a, po- a really super positive thing about Star Wars. <laughs> this one got me really excited. It was very, uh, you know, I, the, I don't know what their titles are, but the shot of, I know, he's not a Grand Moff, in like the tunic, yes. like the white, all I could think of was Admiral Thrawn, Thrawn and I like flipped out. I was like, holy yeah. cow, like just the, the look of that uniform. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you've got another female lead who apparently is you know the strong lead the the mon mothma in this i assume that is not the original actress de-aged with cg right correct what it is is, okay uh, i can't remember the actress's name it's like genevieve or something like that she was casted for the movie revenge of the sith to play mon mothma and oh okay and she appears in some deleted scenes they, they gotcha. brought her back to play Mon Mothma, but yeah, she looks like the younger version of. Yeah, it's great. It, it she matches up really well. But no, I and uh, I thought the Forrest Whitaker thing, like he looked like he came out of Mad Max or yeah. something with that <laughs> that crazy getup. But no, I, I th- it looks very intriguing, and uh, you know they they look like they've got a they got thing it, it it just like the the teasers or the original trailers for. Force Awakens gives you just enough to kind of see what's going yeah. on. But you can't really figure it out. Same kind of thing here, man. If they just don't share share the whole thing before it comes out, yeah. you know, it, it it looked great. I was really excited. But yes, the fact that Donnie got his yeah. due, which <laughs> capped it. But well, yeah. and it's but I, I'm early You said you wanted to, if they don't put him in a fighting scene, yes, it's gonna be a waste. So I'm they done. obviously yep. do, and I'm sure it's not the only one that we see him in. So sure. Now I wonder who who's the uh, other. Who's the who's kind of the who's kind of a stocky dude that's like running at one point, like with a ponytail? Is that somebody I'm supposed? To, I mean, is that an know. actor I'm supposed to recognize? Or you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like yeah. after the fight scene with him, it's like basically saying if you don't give up, you're showing who you are. And he's like running. Yeah. I didn't know if that was yeah, no, I didn't, a, I actor I'm supposed to be familiar with or not. I'm, I'm sure he was listed in that original cast. I know he's in the original cast um, picture that okay. went out yeah. and released. But I'm not sure about the actor's name off the top of my head. So, um, and that's December, right? Yes, like right before yes, Christmas, December. Yep. I kind, so I kind of wonder with the Forrest Whitaker character. You you notice he had like a, a messed up scar or eye or yeah. whatever was all messed up. <laughs> do you think Do you think they messed up his lazy eye or his good eye? <laughs> if it was his good eye, like that's just me. Like, why He's in trouble. That? I know. <laughs> I think it, I think it was his good eye. Like, why are you going to mess yeah. up his good eye and just leave his lazy <laughs> eye out there? Well, and he is wearing some type of like power suit thing. <laughs> and there's been rumors that they're going to have uh, bounty hunters in this movie. So I don't know if oh, cool. he's a bounty hunter. Uh, I don't know what part he plays. I mean, he's obviously a, a fantastic actor. So 
Yeah. Um, I liked that they kind of focused on him talking and, and everything else in the trailer. I got to say, that brings up a good point, is with them making all these new movies, um, it, it gives a chance to uh, hire on relatively new talent, you know, people mm-hmm. like the girl who played Ray and, and whoever, uh, where this is going to be a launch of a huge career for them because it's such a big yep. movie franchise. But it also gives you a chance to take like proven Academy Award winning actors and put them yeah. in the Star Wars universe, which, yep. you know, back in the day you had like, um, oh my gosh, and I just like uh, Al- Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness, yeah, you know, Alec Guinness was, yeah, he was the one credentialed exactly. And otherwise, there's a bunch of well, Peter Cushing, Peter new guys, Cushing, yeah. So, yeah. And so it kind of follows that same that same yeah. formula, um, but just to see, like, you know, just kind of think of some of the great actors you know, of our day where I would love to see them take on this material. Um, some actors, I think it would be a bit weird because you'd be like, Oh, that's Robert Redford in a stormtrooper outfit. You know what I mean? It would right. be like a little, it, it might take you out of the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But, but and, I mean, there are some actors where you just know that they would do a really good job and, and it'd be cool to see kind of their yeah. take on the material. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I loved it. There shouldn't be any shock there. Um, I, the thing I loved about it is exactly what Robert's talking about is we're seeing the universe we know being expanded out a little bit and the stuff that we've only seen in the expanded universe is actually coming to the screen. Like this is obviously a very militaristic style movie, um, which I absolutely love that we're seeing that. Um, I love the, uh, you know, the time period that we're looking at with, you know, the, you know, that was obviously the, the temple on Yavin, uh, that we, we see her in, in one of the scenes and everything. Um, I mean, the whole shot of them running towards the Adat walkers looked very like star Wars version of D day. <laughs> mm, um, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Um, I love the strong female, uh, lead. Uh, that's always been a, a favorite, you know, type for me to, to enjoy watching on the screen or reading in the comic. There has been some controversy about that because people are like, oh, we've got an, there's been people complaining, oh, well, we got another strong or we got another female uh, character leading Star Wars. I don't get that, honestly. And I don't, and I'm not going to bring the show down with this, but like, honestly, if you're someone that thinks that that's, you know, oh my, if you're one of those people complaining about that, stop listening to the show because I, that's the type of negativity I don't need. Um, <laughs> but it, it's one of those things like, as long as it's a good story, I don't care who the lead is. If you're telling me a good, solid story with great acting and great, you know, special effects and great action and great drama, great character chemistry, I don't care what race, what gender, whatever anything is that's in the lead role. And let's face it, we've had six, technically seven, if you count the Clone Wars animated movie, we've had seven theatrical released Star Wars movies where the lead character was a male character. You're going to complain because now we've had two movies with a female lead character. Kind of ridiculous. So I I think it's awesome. Uh, I think the actress they got, she seemed awesome in this trailer. I loved how the whole line of like, I rebel. You know, it was like, I love that. Yeah. Like, this is a rebellion, right? Well, I rebel. Um, I thought that was cool. Um, the other complaint, the other minor complaint I heard from some people was the siren sounding. Yeah, Jacob said that. He's just like, that's annoying. Just in the yeah. fact, if it's 
in the previews. Right. Like that's annoying. But, but you know. <laughs> it, it plays into the military aspect. Sure. Um, and that is a noise from the original Star Wars movie. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I recognized yeah. it as soon as you heard it. Like, you don't see it. You don't hear it quite so um, isolated. Yeah. You know, right. I think in the old movies, it's always kind of in the background as as military were kind of gathering together and getting ready. It's like an alarm, you know, like, yeah. don't you hear it in, in Hoth? Like when you hear it in the, Hoth and I think you hear it in the Battle of Yavin. And Yavin yeah. So. Yeah. Like when too. the troops land in Hoth and you're like, OK, like everybody scramble. Yeah. So that was that. But yep. so yeah, it was like this. Well, it was almost a blank screen, and you hear that, and you're like, "That's the only thing to focus on." Well, and, you, and you, it's not like we're gonna get two hours of that right. either. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that would be two annoying. hours of that. Yeah, I think it's that being, would be annoying. Yeah, it's being used it's, for it's, a fact. It's, a, it's, it's what a, a eighty second trailer and which was five seconds, which was later. actually more than I was expecting we were gonna get. And I actually was surprised that we got some of the story in this trailer because it's supposed to be just a teaser trailer. So yeah, I expected it was mm-hmm. gonna be one of those little, you know, ten twenty second things, and it was yep. like a, you know, more than a full minute. And I was like, holy yep. cow, this is great! So I love seeing the what looks like shadow troopers. That had me excited because that's that is my favorite mm-hmm. stormtrooper is the shadow troopers, and uh, we haven't really seen them on screen really before, so. Um, so I saw some reviewer that talked about it and said, oh, when the, the black stormtroopers show up, you better watch out because those the white stormtroopers, they, they couldn't really hit anything. But those black stormtroopers, they look like they meant business. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I, I, I thought, yeah, I just thought it was awesome. Uh, I love the ending, too, where they show like her in the Imperial TIE fighter yeah. costume. And mm-hmm. uh, everyone's assuming, which I am, too, like, that that is how she infiltrates the base. Um, so, you know, it, it, I don't, I don't think that character ends up turning, but Hey, maybe she does. I don't, I don't know. Um, I've heard rumors that her father works for the, the empire and that's how she works her way into being a spy mm. for the rebels. So there's all these speculations and everything else that are out there. So, so, but I, I think it's very exciting. The fact, I mean, for me as a huge Star Wars fan, the fact that I'm getting a, another Star Wars movie a year after I got a Star Wars movie is probably the most exciting part about the that whole That blows my mind. I just can't. <laughs> I still don't believe it. Like, I don't, I'm not going to believe it until we're about two or three years into it. Yeah. Um, I did get, uh, I did anyway. tied into this. I did get The Force Awakens and I have watched it already. So I, I'm... <laughs> Did you get to see it in 70 millimeter? I did not. Um, oh, okay. So uh, this real short version of this, I did not go get to go see that, nor did I get to get the YouTube channel going because I ended up getting sick. Uh, mm. <laughs> and it hit me for – a lot of people around here have had this happen to them, and I'm, I obviously got it from them. But I got sick one weekend, massive headache, massive like just – uh, I had a f- slight fever, like was um, shivering, you know, the chills, sweats, all that type of stuff. Went away after a couple days, uh, took like a Monday off from work and everything else. Was starting to feel fine by like Wednesday, was starting to feel like my old self again. By Thursday, I felt totally fine. And then Friday of last week, after work, I started getting a little congested and I had not been congested from being sick previously. So I just thought it was allergies or something like that. Saturday, I was laid up again, mm. uh, but this time it was all the opposite symptoms. It was all the congestion. It was all the you know the headache, 
um, every, you know, eyes watering, all that bad stuff. So for two weekends in a row, my weekend was just shot. And those would have been the, one of those two weekends would have been the weekends I would have had a chance to go see it. And I just didn't get a chance right. to go see it. So, but now I get to see it at home. So all's right with the world. <laughs> well, I, I thought you were going to tell me that you already got tickets for Rogue One, which I was going to be duly impressed if that was the case. Uh, they're not available yet, but uh, yeah, I don't, as much. don't put it past me. <laughs> I would say, don't, well, don't put it past them to have them out and, you know, what the movie comes out in December, it'll be out in August or right, something. Exactly. So. so, but no, I'm very excited about it. I'm glad to hear you guys are excited about it. I think it's fantastic. Uh, it looks like they're looking to do the, the right thing with it. I love, and we kind of talked about this when we, we were t- doing our movie review of it. Um, so I think Shannon would appreciate this too. Cause I think he's the one that mentioned it was, I loved how they didn't try to modernize the stuff from that era. So like yeah. that with the millennium Falcon, when they showed Finn getting into the, the, uh, gunshot, uh, seat yeah. and everything looked right. just like the old, you know, the screen and everything, just the old grid and everything. Sure. And everything. They did the same thing with this. Like you go into that war room where Mon Mothma is, and it's all those blue lines on the glass, and mm-hmm. it it looks like the old Yavin base. I mean, it, it, yeah. everything has that old feel. But to Robert's point, it still looks like a a modern film production. So, um, so yeah, I was very, very, very excited. So, so um, I was gonna say too. Like I noticed in the the teaser trailer, I, I think this must have been like a a Disney Star Wars note that if a stormtrooper gets shot with a blaster, they have to do at least two cartwheels in the air. <laughs> I think that's like an official memo. Have you noticed that? Is is that in the is that in the in the deal that I noticed in this one it didn't say Disney either. Yeah. In the trailer. Is that something where all these Lucasfilm oh, yeah. things are just gonna I think, have no idea. I mean, it was interesting because I was surprised you didn't see a Disney yeah. A Disney logo which, on it, which but. is surprising because when you look at all the merchandise now for Star Wars, it does say yes. Disney on there. All of it's got that logo on it. Yes, I had noticed that a while back so, too. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I did uh, that. Robert's comment though did remind me of another scene that I liked with the uh, main character. Her name's uh, Jin Urso or Orso Urso, I think it is. Um, yeah, sounds right. So there's that scene where she's talking about rebelling and everything else, but they they uh, flash over to her like grabbing a blaster out of a stormtrooper's hand and flipping it around and shooting the guy. And then there's a massive, mm-hmm. I was like, that's the type of like that hand to hand combat, just like you liked with Donnie Yen, like that hand to hand fighting along with the blasters and everything else that's going on. Right. I think that's, what's going to really make this movie like kind of gritty and, and just a different feel, but it still felt like star Wars. That was the thing that was cool about it. It was like, it was, you could tell it's totally different. It's a totally different take, but still feels like star Wars. All right, so uh, have well have I or have we spoken enough about the trailer? <laughs> I don't. I mean, there's only one yeah. point of view. It's just that we were all excited about it, and I think the yeah. trailer it gave us just enough information and not too much. I am worried that we're going to get six more trailers between now and December. That's like Batman, where it gave away too much. That was one thing I loved about Force Awakens is. They kept giving us new visuals, but it wasn't telling us the whole plot of the movie. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of times I know the movies don't, uh, the production company doesn't make their own trailers. A lot of times that's shopped out and there's another company that comes in and produces a trailer for a particular movie. So yeah. I hope they have a similar approach as they did with the 
Force yeah. Awakens as opposed to Batman versus Superman, which just gave so so much away. Yeah. Well, and you, you have to think too. It'll be interesting because this is not one of the episodes, right? I mean, yeah. in other words, you you maybe Darth Vader shows up in a little bit. You got Mon Mothma, and you might have some of the B characters or C characters. Right. How do you market that when it's not Luke Skywalker or Rey or Princess Leia? It's got to be a different thing, especially. You know, if we know anything about this story, realistically, these people don't they die trying to get the plans to them? Right. So, you know, it's how do you how do you market yeah. that beyond the people that kind of know the backstory yeah. or you know have an inkling of what's going on? It, you, do do I do I think you'll probably see more previews that have maybe a little more story, and maybe only because they have to tell it in a different way than you tell the yeah. episodes or the I don't want to say canon because it's all right. canon, but those. The saga ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, um, and the thing is, like, I don't know, like, much like we've talked about in the past with the Marvel movies, like, now the Marvel name kind of carries it for all of them. I don't know right. if the Star Wars name is carrying it enough yet because, yeah, The Force Awakens was a huge hit with a lot of people, but I feel like you need to get two or three movies under your belt to prove to people like, yes, now the name star Wars really does mean you're going to get a good quality movie. So I don't know. One thing that uh, I talked with Chuck about recently, because we were talking about the trailer and everything. One of the things I said to him is I would absolutely love at the end of this movie, because they could totally happen this way. Would love to see at the end of the movie, um, R2 and 3PO boarding the blockade runner. Mm, yeah, I think that would be awesome. So, yeah. Do you think that would tie it in too much? Like, I almost if on if the only recognizable character I see is Mon Mothma and Vader, like mm-hmm. I would be fine with that. Oh yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Um, I don't think I would mind seeing that. It would definitely link it up. Like yeah. exactly, it would link it up exactly. But yeah, I think it would um, be funny to not know that you were on the blockade runner, and then you see R two and three PO. <sighs> Yeah, that would be very cool. I would that would that'd be a, a neat reveal. Yeah. So I don't know because that was one thing that him and I said like with the Force Awakens it, that was the only thing that was a little sad, but didn't want to. It didn't work for the story. It would have been nice to see a little bit more three PO and R two, um, but it didn't really work for the story, and you know we were fine with it. Um, yeah. You know, and and not that I want to get too much into Force Awakens because we've beaten that dead horse a few times. Um, I I rewatched. I'm gonna check it out. I, now. I, I rewatched it last night again. Yeah. And I I mean I do really really enjoy the movie, but it it does make me just a bit sad, like that we, um, with with Han Solo gone, you know, like not getting to see him interact with Luke again, and. Mm-hmm. And the, the I think this was maybe the just the third time I've watched it, uh, and what really stood out to me this time was the relationship that he and Ray, like the, their chemistry yeah. was just so good. Yeah. Like from the second they start interacting with each other, that I'm almost sad that, th- that I don't get to see more of that. Like, right. um, I hope that that then carries over to her being a, a cool kind of partnership with uh, with Chewbacca. I was just going to say, I kind of, I was telling, there was another thing I was talking with Chuck about. I said, I would love to, uh, I love the idea that she now has the Falcon and that she's paired up with Chewie because it seemed like they even had some decent chemistry at times and everything. Well, and I, 
Yeah, I just and the other thing too is I didn't I didn't realize how well Harrison Ford did until I I've watched it a couple times and it just yeah. gets better and better. Like he, uh, you know, I, I was like, you know, I I've always enjoyed the Han Solo character, but um, there were just certain mannerisms and and ways and, and just his cadence of talking that was specific to that character that he didn't yeah. do in every other role he's been in. Yep. And, and that he nailed it. Like he came back and that was totally that character just 40 years older. You know what yep. I mean? Like, um, and, and so I was just really, I, that took me back more this time around watching it than I think even at the theaters. Yeah. I think, I think at the theaters, I was so just taking it all in yeah. and, 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 and now that I've been able to watch it and especially as I was, I was kind of watching it in my studio as I was working. And so I was more listening to it than straight up watching it. And just hearing him talk, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like oh, he yeah. nailed that Han Solo. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which makes me a little nervous about the Han Solo movie, solo movie. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. Um, right now they, I mean, between the force awakens and this, the new trailer that we're seeing for rogue one, um, I, I'm able. I feel like I can give them a lot of rope right now, <laughs> but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't. It's it's a natural story to tell. Yeah. To do do a Han Solo one, um, but we'll we'll see. I I'm very anxious and very excited for this Rogue One movie, um, and I think that'll help kind of let us know if these solo spinoff movies, no pun intended, there. Um, actually lead to seem like there'll actually be some good things that really help add to the mythos and everything else. So I think, I think it can be compared with the similar track that Marvel is taking. You have the big tent pole type movies um, with force awakens and the numerical, this slots right into the episode, whatever. Yeah. Uh, And then you'd have like the spinoff, like the little Ant-Man movie, you know, which is good in its own right. It's not the best Marvel movie, but it's not like I disliked it. And I think there's going to be some Star Wars movies that fit into that category. I'm positive. Yeah, that'll that they'll be well produced. They'll be you know for the most part they'll be well acted. There's so much money going into these. I can't see that not happening. Yeah. Um, and we'll like some better than others. But I think when you take when we step back five years from now and look at the wealth of Star Wars in cinema that we now have. Uh, yeah. on top of what we had, I think that generally we're going to be happy with it. Yeah, I agree. And I um, mean, I, and I'm actually really surprised that Rogue One seems like an episode movie because it, just from that teaser trailer that comes across, I thought it would be much more, I, I thought it'd be much smaller scale. Here's like 10 combat troops in this particular battle. And that's the whole movie. I right. thought it would be much micro scaled down, but this seems like big enough dealing with the empire and the rebellion and incorporating all these other characters that it could easily be an episode movie. Oh yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, is like I heard someone actually mention, which we got little tastes of it in all the previous movies, but they said, we're finally seeing the wars part of star Wars. Like it, right. you can see this is like a big epic thing. So that's a good point. Um, I totally forgot. Uh, so going off of the, the Star Wars talk, um, I totally forgot we did have some listener feedback. And one of them was in particular important that Robert was on the show mm-hmm. to cover it because it was someone who did get a chance to ask some uh, Robert declassified questions uh, when we <laughs> the 
episode. Um, it's your old buddy Jason Adams who wanted to ask. Hey, uh, how could you forget that guy? What's I don't know. I don't know. No, I just don't think he got him in on time. I don't oh, think it was a I question see. of yeah, us not yeah. reading him. Yeah, he didn't yeah. get him in on time, but I, I was forgetting that I had these ready to go for this next time we got together. So, so here here's his email. Uh, and we also have a question from Adam Withers that I think will cause a really good discussion uh, as well. So, um, But first, Jason's uh, email. He says, Dear Star Bitches, as he is often to call us. Uh, or I'm sorry, he said, Dearest Star Bitches. So... <laughs> So kind, yeah. <laughs> yes. He says, as per my life, I was a day late in seeing that you were recording a Get to Know You episode with the Honorable Robert Atkins Esquire. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was chagrined to say the least. There are many questions I want to ask him. I know that I'm late, but would please ask him these questions in a future episode. Uh, his first question is, How's Elaine doing? What's up, girl? <laughs> uh, she's fine. <laughs> That's all you got? Okay. Uh, she, she, well, I don't know. I don't know that I need to go into her personal business on this show. <laughs> she's doing good. She's actually really happy now. She's, um, anyway. Awesome. I, don't need to, I don't need to go into the specifics of it. She's doing good. Okay. Good. Um, number two. If you had carte blanche to write a G.I. Joe comic that centers around one character, which character would you choose and why? Well, you don't write G.I. Joe characters, but. <laughs> no, that, but that's a really good. I mean, I mean, a big part of that would be who would I like to draw over and over yeah. and over again? Because exactly. that would be part of it. Um, man, that's a really good question. Uh, I mean, I almost don't. I, you know, doing a solo Joe book is a bit of an enigma because that's not what makes GI Joe yeah. special. Uh, I would rather do, I mean, I've, I've talked about it, I think in the past and I've certainly told you guys, like I would love to do a special missions book that had like Flint and lady J as like, we, we tried to do this with, with snake eyes where we had snake eyes and helix would be the main core leader field leaders for a, a revolving team of Joe's. And mm-hmm. so it would be very much, I mean, that's, it was the Snake Eyes series, which was going to spotlight him. Obviously he's a marketable character, so that makes sense. And I love to join him. That's still some of my favorite work that I've done. Um, and it, it just went off the rails a bit that I had no control over the, the right. I don't even think Chuck Dixon had control over that. It was just IDW needed it to spin off into the Cobra Civil War stuff, which I, I love that idea. It's, so it's not like I had a problem with Cobra Civil War. It just derailed what our plans were for Snake Eyes. And um, so I think that's unfortunate. And so obviously we, I don't expect IDW to go back and try the same thing again. Like I just, that doesn't seem realistic. Yeah. Uh, so if we were going to do something a little different, but with a similar concept, we, I would then choose Lady J and Flint and kind of, uh, since we have we've hardly seen those two characters have big roles in the in the comic universe for a while, mm-hmm. um, so I'd like to see them be like field leaders, and then of course just based on various threats again, like following that special missions model of back in the eighties, where it's not even Cobra every week. I mean, you could yeah. deal with any kind of terrorism, um, and they'd be all over the world, very specifically, so that we could spotlight. You know, if if they have a desert mission, then you've got 
you know, Dusty and maybe CoverGirl or whatever. Um, you know, I, you know. So we have a water mission. We can get old Torpedo and Deep Six and those guys involved. <laughs> so I mean, that's the idea. Is that, I mean, that's why I love GI Joe is that you've got such a variety of unique characters. This is their specialty. We rely on them to do their job and to do it right. And um, and it kind of revolves around this this conflict. Um, that's what I love about it. That's what I love about GI Joe. So it's hard for me to say this one character. Like I've got my favorites, but and and Flint is definitely one of them. So. Like putting him in a group situation though, where he's one of the regular cast, and then we get a chance to draw, you know, uh, airtight or, or toll booth or you know the the really good characters. You know what I mean? Like, then, <laughs> you know what I mean? That would then we could spotlight some of those that don't normally get shown up, you know, in the main stories. I was excited to to see that in the next five episodes uh, that when we get around to do an animated episode, which hopefully will be soon. Um, that there is one of the episodes does have Tollbooth making an appearance again um, with, I know, with speaking I lines. So, I, I was at a convention up in Fargo back in February, and one guy came up and he was talking about how G.I. Joe and this, and that, and he's like, Yeah, but not all the characters are winners. He's like, You got people like Tollbooth, and I was like, Oh, <laughs> those are five words. I was like, No, you don't, you don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh jason's next question i take a little bit of umbrage with uh to use his his type of language um so his number three question is do you think you would be able to take the character of ace and change ryan's closed mind about him <laughs> what do you so so why are you so closed-minded about ace remind me I, well here's the thing i i think he's thinking my mind's closed just like yours is because you've pointed this out too, that every time Ace takes a jet in the sky, he crashes it. He crashes it. <laughs> That's just facts. That's not even like our prejudice against the character. Right. It's everybody in G.I. Joe can fly a Sky Striker, and apparently they can all fly it better than Ace. <laughs> right, and that's... So, and I that- mean, if... if uh, if he has a problem with how we approach that, I'm like, that's just, that's factual numbers. Yeah. And maybe it's because he has a higher crash ratio because he's in the plane more. But I, I would, uh, I would argue that Lady J flies a Sky Striker just as much as Ace does in the cartoons. Yeah. And does not crash it. So. Um, and didn't it and- like Junkyard? Didn't he fly it once? Yeah. I mean, so. if a dog can fly a Sky Striker <laughs> and not crash it. Come on, Ace. I mean, seriously. And that's the thing, too. I've told Jason many times, I love Ace, but you cannot deny that he crashes the Jets all the time. <laughs> I mean, he, he crashed he crashed a skyscraper, and then he borrowed a plane from a farmer or something like that and crashed that one. <laughs> crashed that, too. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so yeah, um, yeah, that's canon. I mean, that happened. You can't, you can't say that we're making this up, right? So his number four question was so. So I think based on what he views as closed mindedness, I don't think you would ever be able to change my closed mindedness about Ace. So, (laughs) Um, so his number four question is: How do you sleep at night knowing that you took my spot on the Star Joe's couch? (laughs) We have a couch. (laughs) Evidently, we have a casting couch or something. I don't know. Yeah, oh, wait now. 
We talk about this show ending all the time. Is that <laughs> there's a couch? I'm not interested. Thank you. No Eiffel Towers here. Always at the DC. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'm, I don't know if I'm on the show enough to warrant, uh, a, an official spot anymore. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> just, just tell them you sleep on a big pile of money. That's how you sleep at night. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> all, yeah. all the many dollars that this show brings in. That's right. <laughs> that I haven't seen it, any of. <laughs> um, so he, he closed it by saying, Shannon and John, you're a welcome addition to the show. That being said, I miss Chuck. Thank you, Jason Adams. Chuck was invited to join us tonight and he passed, but, um, <laughs> Chuck is dead. It's he passed. <laughs> Not that far. <laughs> He just said, thanks for the invite, but he says, tonight I'm going to pass. So that, that's exactly <laughs> what he said. So um, you, you just said, like, Chuck was invited to be on the show, but he passed. And I was he like, passed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Poor Chuck. Yeah. yeah. No, Chuck is fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's be clear. Before yeah. Robert starts spreading rumors around. <laughs> Chuck's dead. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to find the... Message, message from Adam Withers. So it'll take. Oh, me. I got to mention real quick, Ryan. Um, when I was up in C2E2, yeah. uh, I met uh, Brian from Pop Culture Leftovers. He came oh, by the yeah. table. He did mention that to me. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Very, He's a very good guy. So. And I went back and I was listening to their show, especially after I saw him again. I was like, why did I stop listening to the show? I really like it. But they cuss a lot on they that show. They cuss a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't, you know, I don't have anything against them as people or anything like that, but I can only take so much of that. And I was just like, <laughs> and they're like five hour shows. So oh, I'm yeah. just like, man alive. It seems like I'm sitting here working and I've just listened to five hours of somebody cussing me out. I'm like, dang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, I think I've listened to it enough where that starts becoming um, background. Like, I don't even notice it anymore that they cuss so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that uh, yeah and, and i i agree because that can happen you start to just filter it and you don't even think about it and yeah. when people like that's that could just be part of their vernacular and that's fine yeah. that's their choice and i don't have anything against people who who swear like whatever yeah. but um when i was in my the art studio back in north carolina i'd go in every day and steve bird was one of the inkers in our studio and he he just again just like that i mean he just drops the f-bomb as part of his language yeah. and you know just f this and that and uh I don't even think anything of it. So then I, this had gone on for about a year and I went to pick up Laura from school. She's in elementary teaching elementary school. And she shows me how she had gotten this poster board laminated. And she's like, yeah, I sent this down to the office to get laminated. And she holds it up and laminated on the middle of her poster board was the post-it note that says, please laminate this. So like that's, it's still on her poster board in front of this graph. So it's covering up vital information. It just says this, this, this post note says, please laminate this. And I was like, what the F? Like, like and I just like, and I didn't even realize I said it until I said it. And, and she was like, we are in an elementary school. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And she's like, when did you start talking like that? I'm like, I blame Steve Bird. It's his fault. <laughs> <laughs> I threw him under the bus as fast as I could. I was just like, hey, bus, over here, Shove. And it was like, I couldn't blame him fast enough. So anyway, I've got to make sure I don't have that in my ears all day long because I have no 
filter. I, I'm not used to <laughs> when to yeah, say you, it and when not to say it because I don't <laughs> typically. And so just, that's got me in trouble, it'll, man. It'll just come right out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I don't. I have no experience in this. Yeah, and they do. Uh, they do have a, a really great show. I, I enjoy the pop culture leftover guys. Um, I unfortunately, am, and Brian knows this. I don't get to listen to them as much as I'd like to because their shows are so long. I don't want them to do short shows they because their fans love it. Um, but I have a 10 minute commute to work. So I don't, you know, I listen to podcasts on the way to work and home. And then I sometimes listen to them like if I'm doing stuff around the house or something like that, but, or if I go for a walk or something, but I don't, you know, their shows are like four or five hours long sometimes. And I'm like, I don't, I can listen to one of those. It takes me like two weeks to listen to one episode. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And by but then I, they've got another episode, one or two episodes out and, and right. you're behind. Yeah. Right. So I do pick and choose episodes of theirs and I, and I've kept all the rest of them that I haven't listened to. Cause I'll probably go back and listen to them when I can. Um, but yeah, they are, they are great guys. Um, I definitely want to uh, meet up with them sometime in, in the future. I'm hoping that I'll be able to see two E two sometime in the future and uh then i'll definitely be able to meet up with them so i didn't um, realize they live so close i forgot that they yeah they, like he lives in decatur or something is he's close to where yeah. i live he's like 30 minutes away nice um so brad withers uh posted on the star joe's pay, uh fan page and this was back at the beginning of march um but in this post uh he actually asked a question that i think all of us could you know answer or at least give our thoughts on it so he says, I just listened to the most recent episode. And first of all, I want to thank you, Ryan, for reading my post on the show. That's what got him. That's what got me to read it again. Um, <laughs> with <him laughs> thanking me. <laughs> that's the so, easiest way to get on the show. Just compliment Ryan. It's, it's exactly. Easy formula. Exactly. So he says, having said that, I don't think John appreciated my ribbing of him and Shannon on the Star Star Wars. <laughs> so I would like to sincerely apologize to them if I annoyed them with my post. Uh, it was meant mostly as a joke. Mostly. Uh, <laughs> he said, he said, I would like to extend the olive branch by asking this question, and it is aimed at the whole Star Joe's crew. If IDW was to come to Star Joe's and say, here is the G.I. Joe property, do with it what you will. We want you to make it work a working universe like Transformers and Ninja Turtles. How would you guys go about it? Would you reboot it? And if so, what would you change this time around? It's hard to find much in the way of podcasts when it comes to my favorite franchise, G.I. Joe, anymore. And I would love to hear this discussed. You guys are still the best and God bless. Oh, man. Uh, he brings up an interesting point uh, about the rebooting. And I think right now that is uh, where IDW is stuck is because they've rebooted it so many times in the relatively, I wouldn't say a short time that they've had it, but they've had it for about seven years now. Yeah. Um, they've rebooted it so many times that it's just going to come across as one more reboot, one more new volume that people don't know whether or not to try. Yeah. Um, the only way I can think of around that is to possibly pick up the old IDW universe with its uh, reboot just prior to the one where um, uh, Fred Van Linty came on as the writer and yeah. uh, Steve Kurth came on as the artist. Okay. Because I think that that was 
you know, kind of right after I had finished the Storm Shadow Snake Eyes run and they kind of stopped everything and then tried to reboot that with all new costumes and, and a new direction. And I don't feel like it's grabbed any traction since then. I don't remember what the number was, but we did like 27 issues of the first volume, right? Mm-hmm. And then I went over and started uh, Snake Eyes Storm Shadow and they rebooted it with a new number one, but it was still basically the same group. Uh, Chuck Dixon, I believe was still writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know how many issues came out under that volume, at least 13 to 20, right? That's yeah. the typical amount. So I would say if you can find out, like if you could say GI Joe IDW verse number 50 or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm kind of like they've done with the Marvel series where they're like number right. 600. And you're like, what? Right. It was issue 52 last month. And they're like, well, if you add them all up together, it's this number. <laughs> right. So I think you, within a, within one story arc, you could kind of pick up some of the loose ends of some of those stories and complete some of them and create a new hook uh, and I don't mean a new direction for G.I. Joe. I don't need mm-hmm. like a new, I don't need a brand new take on a proven property. It just right. needs to make sense and to ap- hit all the notes that uh, that make this uh, property appealing, right? Yeah. And I kind of went over some of that already. So, I, I mean, I don't know how else to do it. If we started with a new number one and said all new approach to G.I. Joe, I don't think anybody would care. Yeah. John, what do you think? What what would you do if you were in charge like of it? Like how would you reinvigorate well, it, I guess? <laughs> First off, Brad, I appreciate your apology. I was not so much frustrated about the Force Awakens questions. It really was the fact that uh I was having audio issues and couldn't hear Robert. <laughs> so it was a very awkward conversation and Ryan, to your credit, you kept me engaged, but it was just yeah, it was it was very difficult. So uh, I appreciate that. And again, I'm not going to talk about Force Awakens anymore, but um, <laughs> look, I, I, Ryan and I actually talked a little bit before the show came on. I, I I am not going to back down from anything I have said in any of my rants. However, I also recognize that just like I do a job and Ryan does a job and Robert and Shannon are much more visible in their jobs to the, the greater public, uh, people put their time and energies into these books and um, it's not for me. It's very apparent. It's not for me. It's very frustrating because it's not necessarily a caliber of uh, product that I want. Uh, I, however, am, am going to, while I won't back away from what I said, I'm going to be more cognizant in the future of my rants <laughs> because I don't think it's necessarily fair to those creators that I don't know. They're trying to make a buck just like the rest of us right at the end of the day. But Having said all that, when it comes to this property, I I don't know. You know, we talked about it on the, when we had the What's on Joe Mind guys on. You've got Real American Hero kind of chugging along. Everybody is in the shadow of Larry. I really think they missed out with Cobra in terms of making an adult espionage story. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't all need... Real American Hero. While I love Real American Hero, I don't necessarily want Real American Hero. And many people that have been following the property for 30 years don't necessarily want to read Real American Hero anymore. Um, 
you know, Robert said it well, and he lived it better than either one of us. Um, I seem to remember that end of that first season, there were Cobra soldiers on the moon. I don't think they ever got home. I don't know. <laughs> no, they're still there. Uh, those guys. They're stuck there. Um, you know, uh, you, you did. <laughs> I really don't remember a lot of that stuff. I liked the, the start of that Van Linden reboot other than the hashtag. I thought she sucked. I liked the, some of the ideas he was bringing in. He left. I believe Paul Auer figured, finished that book out. I thought there was some really interesting things there, but I think to Robert's point, you, you just bring something else out. It's just noise. Mm-hmm. And, and, I think there's a place for I want there to be a place for this property. I want it to be compelling. I'm certainly not the person to figure it out. I I just know I like what I like. Right. You know, uh, we talked about previous, I didn't care for some of that IDW verse stuff that was out, but I loved Cobra. And I will, I tell people all the time when they ask me about reading GI Joe, Hey, you don't want to read, something that's from the eighties, kind of an eighties feel, go read this thing. Cause it, it was amazing. Yeah. It really was just a stellar series. Um, I don't know how you found that balance. And, you know, even with the, where we are, do, do characters in these, let's face it, they're crazy get ups, right? Mm-hmm. You know, do you see people like flash and Scarlet and snake eyes running around in modern military? Did you see him running around the eighties? No, <laughs> but how, how can you incorporate some, you know, maybe make it look a little more real or make feel a little more real. I don't know. It's a tough thing. It it is disappointing. Uh, But I also, I don't believe that uh, I don't believe anybody in a position of authority has really a good clue to what to do with it. And that's the most frustrating thing. I'm not a creative type. I mean, I don't get paid to be creative. I would assume that somebody on a creative front (laughs) would be figuring these things out or talking to people like us or listening to, us or listening to what's on Joe mind or listening to the find, you know, pull, listen to, listen to the audience. Cause at the end of the day, if you're not going to put out something people want, nobody's going to buy yeah. it, you know? It, and it doesn't matter how niche you get. We've talked about the Joe transformers thing. It had a, such a specific little niche. It did apparently didn't sell well enough to keep publishing. Yeah. Right. And, and it, it engaged a handful of people and two handfuls of people maybe didn't care for it. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, again, I, I, it's a great question. I don't, I don't think there's any one single answer. There's not a magic bullet in this. Uh, if it was, it'd probably be in the cartoon. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I, I think that, uh, I think that they need to say, this is the direction we want to head and just stay, stay the course for more than an issue or two, but also don't write everything to a trade. Yeah. Get people engaged with, you know, I know when Robert used to talk about and, and talk about special missions, those were one or two issue stories, mm-hmm. not five and six yeah. in and out, in and out, do f- five, five, one issue stories. I could read any one of them. They all maybe kind of loosely tie together, but they're stories about things. I don't necessarily hear what's going on and then put those five books in a trade, but don't give me five because that was my issue with the last special missions book. I didn't feel like it went anywhere. Yeah. It didn't go. It just it was all treading water to get to a to get to a trade, and it, it, they they lost me. I, I I will say for all the wonderful things IDW seems to do with the classic stuff, and I'm talking about these artist editions. Robert, I'm sure you saw they're doing a Real American Hero artist edition yeah. now. I mean, you know, God, how, I, I, that's like the greatest thing I've heard them do in years now. But but that they they can't seem to get can't seem to get in a place where 
they have multiple people engaged. Yeah. And when I say multiple, I mean, you're selling Joe's real American hero. sells what? 8,000 copies a month. Yeah. Maybe. And I know that's not, you know, I can remember I did a, when I was in middle school, I did a science or yeah, I did a science project on reading levels of comics and I contacted like 15 comic book uh, shops around the country. And I said, can you send me your list of your top 10 books? And my dad was an English teacher. He had this software where I could plug in a hun- the first hundred words, middle hundred words, and last hundred words of all these different comics that came back on these top tens, and we calculated the reading mm-hmm. levels. But GI Joe was on all of them, and it was selling what a quarter million copies a yeah. month. <laughs> I, I recognize the, <laughs> the industry as it is. It's, we're not going to get that, and necessarily does it need to be that? Um, I, and Shannon has said over and over. It's guys like us that want to be nostalgic, that want to pick up something and feel like like I do. I want to feel like I'm 10 again. Absolutely. Uh, but it would also be nice to have something that makes me feel like I'm not 10, much closer <laughs> to my real age. So. I, which which I think I got with Cobra. So. I think real quick, and I'll kind of let Ryan talk yeah. about what his approach would be. But just I think that's one thing I enjoyed about the original launch where we had Cobra, G.I. Joe, and Origins. And I think Origins came about because we didn't know what nobody knew what we wanted Larry Hammond to do. I yeah. wish we, they would, they right. would have just pre-launched real American hero. Then I think it would have done better over a longer period of time. But at any rate, I think what that offered was even with origins, people picked that up because it was Larry Hama. And that was the only way you were going to get a Larry Hama story. They picked up GI Joe. And I think that we did a, a, a decent job of updating the Joe property. So it didn't feel like the eighties cartoon at the same time we had, all the same characters in similar outfits doing the big team mission type stuff. And so it was kind of the older version of the eighties cartoon. Then we had the Cobra story, which is exactly what John was talking about appealed to a more modern day espionage intense story. And because all three of these were offered, people could pick or choose which ones they wanted that appealed to them, or they could pick up all three. And I think that that, what made that do well for the first, I don't know, three or four years that it was coming out. Uh, And then they kind of felt like they needed to reboot it to help sales. And, you know, then you're taking a risk if that reboot is going to do any better than what you had before. And the other thing, the other reason why it was doing so well in the eighties, and you could even take the, the comic industry itself and set that aside. Obviously no books are selling like they were in the late eighties, early nineties, because it's a different time that we live in. But take that, set it aside. Back in the 80s, the comic books were just one more way to consume G.I. Joe. You had the regular toys. You had the regular cartoon. And all of the industry marketing that came from those properties, you would see G.I. Joe uh, commercials on TV all the time. Not necessarily for the comic, though that happened once or twice. But I think in general, commercials promoting G.I. Joe on TV – then when you're at the corner store and you see a G.I. Joe comic, it's so easy to pick that up yeah. and be like, oh, yeah. And, and there's that association. Now there is zero, absolutely zero G.I. Joe marketing coming out of Hasbro. Oh, yeah. And that stacked on top of the discrepancy between now and the 80s as far as publishing numbers. There's no way people are going to come across an IDW G.I. Joe comic book unless you are actively looking for one. Yeah. So – you have to, the only demographic you have right now for IDW are the people who are already picking up comics and like G.I. Joe. And every time you put an and, 
you're yeah. reducing that demographic. You oh, know, yeah. you're reducing, you're, you're creating so that niche two, market. It's those two circles. Like, a, I, it's like they have to be this and they have to be this. And that's that right. middle. And I, that's I, just a sliver of people who are willing to buy a, a GI Joe comic book. And then you throw in another one that wants an espionage book. And you throw in another one that wants something nostalgic from the eighties. And you throw right. another one that wants a, and each one of those little niche markets where all these things cross over gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And so right now it's about 8,000. Yeah. I will say though the the most mind blowing thing I've seen this year was at the Virginia Con where we had um, Mr. Hama in back in uh, February. The fan that came in that blew my mind was a teenage girl. <laughs> she was probably like thirteen or fourteen, mm-hmm. and they were looking. He was getting ready to do some. He was doing some auto. Or, uh, he was doing some photo ops, and of course I'm wearing my staff shirt. And this mom stops me, and I start talking to this girl, and I'm like, "You're a GI Joe fan?" She's like, "Yeah." Really? <laughs> I almost said, you, are you looking for it to be adopted? I mean, you know, I got all excited. And I was like, how'd you get into this? It's like, oh, my, you know, and she pointed to her mom. It's like, oh, my mom had the comics. And I'm like, do you watch the cartoon? But she came to the show to meet Larry Hama. That awesome. blew my, because she, you talk about all these concentric circles. She doesn't fit any of those concentric no, circles to no, me. No, no, no. Well, I mean, I it's, it's my kids. Away. My kids, yesterday, my daughter comes up to my studio and starts drawing without any kind of instruction or feedback from me. And then she shows me a picture of Scarlet that she drew. And I'm just like, yeah, like, I mean, our kids know GI Joe, right? Right. So there, there is that possibility of a next generation. Just Hasbro is not capitalizing on it. It's it's, uh, frustrating. So uh, what I would do in my take, might be different than than what John was mentioning he would do as a take and that's and that kind of plays into what we've been talking about. Everyone's got their own ideas, everyone's got their own takes and everything. Um but I, I was trying to keep in mind like the modern the current day audience, what they're currently doing in comics, uh, because I'm heavily into into comics. Um and uh <laughs> out, outside of actually Working in comics, I'm probably the heaviest into comics than, <laughs> out of the whole group. So, yeah, um, thanks, I'd man. agree with that. <laughs> um, so, so, the approach I would take number one, I would just keep a real American hero chugging along. I mean, it's just it's it's doing what it's going to do. I think if you if you end it, I think you take away that fan base that's just like could even be promoting GI Joe. Like, I, let them keep having a real American hero. I still like a real American hero. There's some issues I think are stronger than other ones, but there's, there's two other titles I would throw in there and they're for the diff there for another audience. It's the, you know, cause you do want to try to hit some of the other audiences that are out there, get them interested in GI Joe. And then maybe they will try a real American hero, or they might try one of these other titles I'm going to mention because that's what happens for me with a lot of stuff. I'll, I'll read one thing and then I'm like, Oh, I really like that. And I like that property. I like that character. Let me try this other one too, because I really like that character. Again, I'm basing it on what I like and I'm basing it on what's happening in in the industry and everything else. It, I've never made it. uh, I've I've obviously made it very clear on the show multiple times, even with the what's on Joe mind guys that I really loved the GI Joe danger girl. uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think if you did a GI Joe title that was kind of had some of that tongue and cheekness to it, had the high action level uh, played on some of the things that we knew from the cartoon and everything else, and maybe actually make it like the cartoon. So they've been doing a lot of these things like Batman 66. They've been doing uh, uh, wonder woman was it wonder woman 77. 77. 
They did uh, X-Men 92. Do a G.I. Joe 82 or something like or 83. Oh, whatever my gosh. I would draw the crap out of that. <laughs> whatever year the cartoon came out, I think it was 83 or something. So um, do G.I. Joe 83. And yeah. it can have that tongue-in-cheek feel that G.I. Joe Danger Girl had. You Obviously, in the G.I. Joe Danger Girl, you had the silly costumes like, like John was just talking about. But you make it fun and you make it nostalgic for someone that grew up with the cartoon. They would pick it up um, because they're like, oh, what's this? Oh, that's like it's a, it's like the cartoon from the 80s. Oh, I like the cartoon from the 80s. That's probably your biggest demographic of G.I. Joe fans out there that's still out there um, is the ones that grew up watching the cartoon as a kid. So I think that would be fun because it wouldn't take itself too seriously. It would be lighthearted. It would be a lot of high action. I just think it, it could be a very fun title that would be different enough from a real American hero, but not too different. So if someone liked it, they might check out a real American hero. Now on the flip side of that, I would do a special missions title, but I would do special missions title a bit different than what Robert was even talking about. But I would do it. Uh, how I would do it is I would actually do it as a bunch of miniseries. bring a, a writer and an artist in that, think they have a really good idea for a story. There's no continuity with it. It's just G.I. Joe. It's it, But it's a more gritty G.I. Joe. It's a more real, realistic type G.I. Joe. Tell a really good story. You can include Cobra if you want. You don't have to include Cobra. but you, Or it could be a totally Cobra story that doesn't involve G.I. Joe at all. But you call it G.I. Joe Special Missions. You do it like it has multiple miniseries. So it could be G.I. Joe Special Missions, whatever. You know, like they did with uh, Devil's Do. G.I. Joe Special Missions, Antarctica, mm -hmm. something like that. But do a four-issue miniseries, six-issue miniseries, whatever it needs to be for that creative team to tell their story. You could put out one or two of those a year. They don't have to be continuous. And like I said, they don't have to be continuity-driven. It's just this is for the G.I. Joe fans that are out there that want something a little bit more real and just want a good story. Um could you make it where the continuity continues? Sure, you could, but uh, for my purposes, it doesn't really need to. I just need to be able to pick up a mini-series of G.I. Joe and have it be really awesome, and they can use whatever characters they want to use. They could do whatever they want to do in the story. I just I think that would be fun to be for, for that person that's the casual fan that just wants to, like, oh, this sounds like a good story. and it's, Oh, look, it's only four issues. Let me pick that up for four issues, and I'll read it. So... That's what I would do. I'd have three titles going. Those would be my three titles. Um, you'd have two ongoings. And really with the G.I. Joe, like if you did G.I. Joe 83, like the cartoon, I would almost do it like seasons, just like the TV show. Because you see that oh, in man. Too, where they're doing the seasons of like Buffy, the seasons of um, X-Files and stuff like that. They've done different like seasons of shows. Do it like that. So this way, yeah, maybe you do have another number one that's coming out every every year or something like that, but that's because they're the different seasons of, of that series. So I think that's a fantastic thoughts. idea. Like I, I completely agree. I loved the GI Joe danger girl for all those reasons that it was so reminiscent of the cartoon and it was like unapologetically silly at times. Yeah. Um, but it was all the characters that you wanted to see in the uniforms that you remembered and it had all the high action uh, that you wanted. And I'm like, I think that there's a lot of people who would enjoy that. I would enjoy drawing something like that. And then you're right. I think that's, that really is a, I think, I, I think devils do had, had a really good idea with the way they were doing the special mission spots. And then, 
you know, if, if you don't want to fit it in your publishing schedule that month, like you don't put that book out, but if you, whenever you have, it's kind of like the transformer spotlight issues they done that, that they've yeah. done or the, or the Ninja turtle ones that they've done just have it be a way to spotlight a creative team. Like maybe yeah. they save up and they pay for a good, it, it's just like a way for them to, they could bring in a high, uh, a high dollar notable talent team, you know, creative team to come in and just do one issue. I mean, they could afford yeah. that. Yeah. And that's, what I was just going to say, playing off of what you were just saying there, like, it doesn't have to be a miniseries. To John's point, it could be a one-shot that comes out that's focused on one character. IDW has been known for doing that, like you said, with Transformers, where they do a spot. They did it with Turtles also, where it was like yeah. a spotlight on one character. It was one issue that came out, and that was it. You know, to your point, you could do like one spotlight a year and one miniseries a year and just tell a good story in it uh, and bring in a creative team that wants to tell a good story. So, So that's the direction I would go. If IDW is listening and you want to do that, do something like that, <laughs> give it a try. <laughs> what, what else you got to lose? I mean, at this point, other than the licensing. <laughs> so, all right. Well, speaking of, did you guys have any other thoughts when it came to, to Joe and that stuff before we move on? No, no. Okay. So speaking of reboots <laughs> and rebooting properties, uh, DC Rebirth is going to be happening uh, where it's not, they're not calling it a rebirth or a reboot. I should say they're, they're calling it rebirth. Uh, They're not calling it a reboot. They're not calling it. I guess it's kind of a relaunch because they are coming back with number ones and everything again. Um, But it's one of those things where it's the first time I've heard a company almost apologize for what they did without actually directly apologizing for what they did. So they they basically have come out and said, look, we did the new... They didn't come right out and say this, but that's pretty much what they were saying. We did the new 52. Uh, we did the new DC Universe. But we realized that we kind of screwed a couple things up by doing that. <laughs> and one of the things that... One of the big things they screwed up was uh, the legacy character. That was something DC was known for having, was this legacy, this history of characters and everything else. And that all went away with the DC 52. They tried bringing some of it back in a sense, but they just, they realized that that was something big that they were missing. And they kind of forgot a lot of the heart and soul of a lot of the characters. Now I enjoyed a lot of the DC 52, um, but I do agree with, with some of the complaints that people have had about it. So, so there, they came out and said, you know, we're doing DC rebirth. And it's going to be bringing the the future and the past together. Um, We're bringing back legacy. We're bringing back these characters. Rebirth means something special to DC. I mean, if you read Green Lantern Rebirth or Flash Rebirth, those were both good stories. Green Lantern Rebirth especially was phenomenal. I don't know if I'm buying into the hype or not with it. You know, I don't know if I'm buying into the salesmanship, but this one at least... I felt a little with this reboot or relaunch or whatever, I felt a little bit more hopeful with it than with some of the past things like DC's done or Marvel's done or anything like that, because it just seems like they realize what they should, should be doing with their characters or where they kind of made some mistakes. They're not throwing away the new 52. They're bringing some of those, some of those characters are going to stay the same. Um, But 
some of them are going to, there are going to be some differences that happen. Um, I will say one of the things that was very exciting to hear was the rebirth issue itself that comes out that launches this whole thing is an 80 page book that is going to be two ninety nine. Hmm. So they're putting their money where their That's mouth crazy. is. Yeah. yeah. They're basically saying, here's a book for you to try to see if you want to try other stuff. Because when you put an 80 page book for two ninety nine, that's pretty much what you're saying. Like we believe in this so much that we're going to give, we're going to give a reduced price for this, uh, this starting off point. The other thing that they're doing, which I don't know if you guys heard is that all of their titles are going to be two ninety nine. For how long? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> One issue. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but they did. Come, that was part of their whole announcement. So they said our titles are going to be two ninety nine. How many pages? Eighteen. Uh, I think it's still going to be twenty, which okay. is where they're at right now. So. So I wanted to go over some of the some of the titles that they've announced so far in the creative teams, and if I remember anything about what it's involving or what they have. Just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on any of them or if you have any thoughts on any of them. So um, so they're doing Batman, They're obviously. Um, this is going to have Tom King writing it. It's going to have David Finch drawing it and Michael or Mikkel Janin drawing it. And this is going to ship twice a month. You guys have any thoughts behind? I, I am very excited for Tom. Um, <clears throat> I actually, I don't believe in posting pictures on LinkedIn, like uh, inspirational stuff, but cause I don't, I think it's, well, it's become trash these days. LinkedIn that yeah. is, but I posted a picture. I have a picture of, of me with Tom and Grubb and Keith Knudsen at a con here in Richmond. Probably the first time I ever met him, maybe the second time. He was right. He wrote. He'd written a once crowded sky. He was trying to get into comics. That was like mm-hmm. four years ago, and he yeah. has gone from trying to get into the business to now signing exclusive with DC and writing Batman. Um, I, I think the world of Tom. He's a big GI Joe fan, which is great. So yeah. we always enjoy talking about that. And to this day, he's never got to look at my entire sketchbook because every time he tries to look at it, a fan comes up and starts talking to him about Grayson or whatever he's working on. Um, I. Do I know what he's going to do with it? No, I th- it was interesting because he had told me a while back he had written a kind of a one shot Batman. Um, this was a, a while ago, so you know it seemed like he was on the radar for that. Um, you know, he, look, I heard Vision's great. I haven't read it. I got to tell you, I just haven't read it. But I've heard just amazing things from not only the people I know, but some of the other podcasts I listen to. Those guys don't know Tom from Shinola, and they go crazy about it. So. Yeah. He seems to be hitting on all cylinders and I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does because I know him. Uh, yeah. so. I, uh, I have been reading Grayson. I love, I love it. I think it's a great espionage style book, um, but it's still true to Dick Grayson. Like you don't lose the character of Dick Grayson just because all of a sudden he's a spy now, which I love that. I have not. I have the first issue of issue of Vision, but I have not read it yet. I've heard um, just like you, John. I've heard amazing mm-hmm. things about it. Um, I've heard it's kind of dark and it's got some creepy factors to it, yep. um, which plays really well into Batman. Right. <laughs> and I've been reading his Sheriff of Babylon, which is phenomenal. Like I would say that uh, if you liked Cobra, uh, then you might want to check out his Sheriff of Babylon because it's a it's dealing with CIA agents yeah. and 
So, you know. I think I think Sheriff of Babylon is based on the second book that he wrote. Yeah. He told I this a while ago, but you know, I know he's written three novels. I don't want to say he said the second one, and Tom, if you're listening or you catch this, you can correct me later, but I want to say that he didn't think that would ever get published. So maybe that's why he went with Vertigo, but I, I want to say that's the one he says the best thing I've ever written. So uh, to be, I'll be honest, I've been waiting for the trade on that because I figure that's one that will probably read really well, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, in that. So for sure. I, I did let, like I read the first issue and thought it was fantastic. I did let, I did wait till I had the second and third issue before I read those two together. Um, I, I do think it will read really well altogether um, in one sitting, but it's, I think it's done extremely well. Um, so I'm looking forward to him writing Batman. Um, I loved Snyder's run, but yeah. hearing Tom King's going to be on it, I'm like, okay, I have liked almost everything I've read of his. I did read uh, the first issue of Omega, Omega Man or Omega Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't care for the first issue, but I did. I was still already pre-ordering it, so I kept getting it. Um, and I've heard, I have not read anymore, but I did hear it, it got really a lot better after after the first issue. There was a lot of people that didn't care for the first issue, and then they kept reading it, and they said it drastically improved after that first issue. Right. So Detective Comics is going back to its old numbering. Uh, so it's not going to have a rebirth issue or anything like that. It's just going back to its old numbering, which I think is like issue 939 or something like that. So does it take, I'm sorry, does it take the 52 or 50 odd issues that from that? So you're saying it's, it was like at 850 something and goes to or 880 and now it's suddenly jumping to 930 or skipping the, I believe so. I believe it's doing what you're saying there. Um, But you know what? I'm not sure. Maybe not. I'll have to double check on that because um, I want to say they already had an issue 900 before the new 52 started. So if that was the case, they would not have gone back to, or they would not have. Because I thought they were trying to get to those big numbers, but maybe, I don't know. Yeah, they are. And they'll still be the first one to reach a thousand issues. So, right. But this, this one has me excited because it's got James Tinian writing it, who has done very well with Batman type stories before Eddie Barrow's drawing it, which I like his art. Um, and, Alvaro Martinez drawing it, which I'm not familiar with that artist. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys are. Um, and this one features a team. It's like a, it's almost like a family type, a Batman family title. Hmm. Um, it has Batman and it has Batwoman and they are training or they're like bringing up these characters in their training. So you have Stephanie Brown is their spoiler. You have Cassandra Kane. And I can't remember what her character's name is, but that was the Batgirl before Bar- or after Barbara Gordon. She mm-hmm. was one of the Batgirls. You have Tim Drake back as a Robin, hmm. which is my favorite Robin was Tim Drake. And you have Clayface, which I found really interesting as hmm. part of the team. It's like he's trying wow. to reform. So, hmm. um, so that one sounds really interesting to me. Um, I'm actually a little bit more excited about Detective because of the team of characters. Sure than I am about the, the Batman title itself. So now is Damien back in any of these? Damien is in them, but I can't remember which title he's okay. going to be in. So I believe what he's going to be in is there's going to be a title called super sons or something like that. Okay. That comes out and it's going to have uh, 
Um, so I don't know if you know this or not. There's a title out there right now called, uh, I believe it's called Lois and Clark. Mm. Uh, and it is uh, the old, the pre-Flashpoint Superman. Okay. And Lois, and they have a, they have a son. Mm. And that's good. And that title I've heard is really good. I have the issues. I just haven't sat down and read them because it's like only eight issues long. I'm like, I'm going to wait till I have all of them. And I'm just going to sit down. So do they look like, do they look like Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher? I don't know. I don't think so. That would be awesome. <laughs> he's actually got a beard. Superman's <laughs> actually got a beard and he, it's like, he's doing good deeds from what I understand of it. He's doing good deeds without people knowing that he's Superman. So hmm. he's trying to keep a low profile and everything else. But I, from what I understand, those characters are going to become Superman. Like that is that Superman is going to be this rebirth Superman. Mm. So it is going to be the pre-Flashpoint Superman is going to be our Superman after, in rebirth. Um, so it's not going to be the new Fifty Two Superman anymore. Um, of of all the, the new fifty, of all the new Fifty Two characters that I felt missed the mark, and I wish. I missed the old version. It was definitely the Superman character. Yeah, I agree. And I think that there was all kinds of behind-the-scenes political reasons why they had to change things the way that they did at the time that they did. But yeah, I just I think his character changed the most away from what makes him endearing, and yep. people just really miss that. I agree. I totally agree. And I think that's why they're going to this saying like, "Oh, we're bringing back the old Superman." Yeah. And uh, so another title is Batgirl which is written by Hope Larson, uh, who I wasn't really familiar with. Uh, and it's drawn by Raphael Albuquerque. Uh, and it's going to be Barbara Gordon. Uh, it's going to come out monthly. And this is Barbara Gordon backpacking through Asia, from what I understand. Um, I don't know. I It's not the team that's writing Batgirl right now or creating Batgirl right now. So I'm like, I like Batgirl, but I don't know if I like the concept. So, so the the, the current Batgirl is the one where it's like Doc Martens and the yeah, like a little younger or looks design looks a little younger. Yeah, yeah. So that's they're not moving that. I think either. they're I think they're keeping the costume style, but they're not. It's not gonna. From what I saw, the concept art and everything else, she doesn't look like she's as young as she's been looking in the Batgirl title. <laughs> so she looks like she's in her early twenties now. Um, that's one title I'm really excited about. And I think, uh, Robert will be very excited about is Nightwings coming back. And this is uh writer, Tim Seeley and artists are, uh, Yavi Fernandez and Marcus toe. And this is Dick. Uh, it's going to come out twice a month, believe it or not, but it's going to be Dick Grayson back in the blue and black costume. Hmm. Robert, did you hear yeah, very about that cool. one? Disco collar. Who, who did you say the artist was? You cut out there for a sec. Sure. It was uh, Yavi or Javi, <laughs> J-A-V-I, Fernandez, and Marcus Toe. Oh, man. I love Marcus's work. Yeah. So Marcus yeah. Toe would do awesome on that. Yeah. And I really like no, Tim I'm excited. Writing, I, 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 like, so. I like that creative team. I like Tim Seeley's writing yeah. and, and Marcus especially. I don't know the other guys well, but I, I really dig Marcus's style. Like when he was on... Robin and then Red Robin. I think uh, yes. that's great to see him getting work with them again. So yeah. it'll be great on that. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to see. I mean, I've really, like I said, I really enjoyed Grayson, but I'm so happy to see uh, Dick get back into the 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 Nightwing persona again and stuff. So 
Um, then we're going to have All-Star Batman, which is going to be write, yeah. writer Scott Snyder with a bunch of different artists. This one I'm iffy on. <laughs> it's like Batman traveling with Two-Face, and they run into – they. It, they've kind of said it's like a Mad Max style thing where they're just on the road and they're having to face off against a bunch of Batman's villains on the road. And each story is going to have a different artist on it, which that could be interesting having different artists each time. But I don't know. Again, concept wise, wasn't too interested in it. So that seems like a neat idea, but something that doesn't have a lot of longevity to it. Yeah. Um, and then we have Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, which I'm excited about this one. Um, it's got Julie Benson and Shauna Benson writing it. And I, from what I understand, they uh, the only thing they've ever written for is uh, the uh, the show The uh, the 100, which I did watch and really enjoyed. And artist is Claire Rowe. And this is yeah. Barbara Gordon as Batgirl, Black Canary, and Huntress all coming together again as the Birds of Prey. And they're hunting down somebody who is portraying themselves as Oracle. So, hmm. yeah, that could be really good. I, I, I like that idea. Yeah, and then we also have Wonder Woman coming out. This one's probably one of the titles at first I wasn't excited about, but then when I saw the creative team, I got super excited about it. It's uh, Greg Rucka writing it, and the artists are Leon Sharp and Nicola Scott. Hmm. And that's going to be twice a month. Yeah. Uh, and this one's got two stories that are going on. So it's like the issues alternate. But it's almost, it's like the, the odd number issues are There's going to be, is one story and the even number issues are going to be a, a different story. And the even number issues are going to be like a year one story. So, the, and those are going to be the ones that are drawn by Nicholas, uh, Nicola Scott and Liam Sharp. I've seen some of his artwork and it looks really good. So, so that'll be interesting. You know, I, I just finished. I read the what the first three or four trades of the new Fifty Two Wonder Woman that Azarello and yeah. Chang worked on, and I re, I've never been a big Wonder Woman fan, at least solo. I never really found something that I really enjoyed. I really liked though that yeah. you know that first set of books they put together. I just read the trade of the the one that the Finches did. Yeah, and it went right away. I was like, yeah. I was like so disappointed when they went in and killed all the the males on the island, and the whole Donna Troy is a whatever, not a clone, yeah. but whatever. I just, oh, I was, I, I, I finished it last night. I shut it. I, I don't need to hear any more of this. I'm done. Yeah, their run was not good, <laughs> but I will say. Greg Rucka, the reason they're bringing him on to the title is because he's had one of the best runs on Wonder Woman. Like, if you ask people, like, who did the best job on Wonder Woman, Rucka is one of the names that comes up. Cups so, up, yeah. so uh, that's, and I've always liked Greg Rucka's writing and stuff like that. So, and you put him with Nicola Scott, and Nicola yeah. Scott's art is yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. So. Then there's also going to be Supergirl, which. I found this was awesome. What they're doing is any title or any thing that they have as far as like a TV show or a movie is going to, they're going to make sure it has a comic title. So Supergirl, the TV show, I don't know if you guys have watched it at all or not. Mm. I think it's fantastic. It's bright. It's good. <clears throat> I've, I've only seen the first episode of it and I'd watch it more except it's on CBS. Right. And that, yeah. and, uh, 
like Hulu doesn't carry it, so I haven't seen it, but um, it, I, I liked what I saw. Yeah, they just I didn't get to watch the episode yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. They just did a crossover with the, the Flash. Flash yeah. <laughs> well, I heard so I heard that they're bringing the Smallville Superman in, so Tom Welling's going to show up in costume as Superman in that universe. Oh, wow! Nice. Superman for that universe. That's awesome. So, well, with Supergirl, it's it's kind of. It looks like it's geared towards the a teenage girl type audience, at least from what I could tell of the art and the story that they're going for and things like that. So right up my alley, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I figure I'd say it. You are the teenage either. girl of Star Joe's, Ryan. So Right. I, just, I figure I'd say it before you guys did. So <laughs> Well, hey, you can put it you can when they when they buy in this, you can put it right next to your hardcover leather bound version of Jim and the hologram. <laughs> so. They never released that. <laughs> but had they released it, I would have thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> this other title they're coming out with, I'm really interested in this because it's one of those, like, I always like those titles where you get more bang for your buck. Uh, they're doing a title called Trinity, which is going to be writer Francis Manipole and artist is going to, uh, the artist on it will be Francis Manipole and Clay Mon. And it's going to be a Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman title. There's also going to be a Flash title with Josh Williamson, uh, which I know him from the comic Birthright, produced by, uh, I believe it's an image title. That title's awesome, but I don't know how I feel about because it's very different from what you would see in like a Flash or a superhero comic. But I like the idea behind the Flash one because what happens is Central City gets hit with something that causes everyone or a lot of people to become speedsters and some of them want to become heroes. Some of them want, you know, use it for evil. Some of them don't want it at all. And one of them is a serial killer. I think it's kind of interesting and I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what he does with it. And like I said, I do like his writing on birthright. So, um, so we'll see how that goes. The artist on that is, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't have anything against, a storyline like that. I don't have anything against a storyline like that, but it almost, it, it, it kind of smacks of the new Krypton Superman story. It just kind of like, it can only go so far. It, you know, it just feels immediately feels like a temporary storyline, which I guess most are, but at the same time, yeah. if everybody's a speedster, then your main character isn't special anymore. And that's, I find that frustrating typically. Yeah. I want to see where they go with it more than anything. And to your point, I, yeah. I'm hoping it's not like I'm hoping it's like maybe a story arc or maybe two story arcs and and then let's move on with the flash from that right. point. Um what I'm kind of hoping is that what comes out of it is that maybe we get one new speedster and maybe one really cool new villain out of it. Like once it's all done, said and done, you have one character that is now a new sidekick type character or something like that that's a a, a new speedster for us to enjoy watching everything so yeah that would be cool then we're going to get green lanterns which is sam humphreys uh writing it and robson roca and adrian sayef are drawing it and uh this is gonna this was an interesting choice this is gonna have the new green lantern characters a title of their own which are two characters that jeff johns created which are simon baz which is the green lantern that carries the the gun mm-hmm. and uh, Jessica Cruz, who in the current 
Justice League comic, she got the power ring ring. Uh, so the crime syndicate power ring character, he got, he died and she got the ring and it had slowly been trying to take her over and everything else, but she learned to start controlling it. But it seems like with this title, she's going to actually become a full fledged green lantern. And they're going to, uh, they're going to focus on those two characters in this title. Uh, it's an interesting choice. Uh, I like Sam Humphrey's writing. So we'll see where they go with it. Now, the other Green Lantern title they're going to do is Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, which is going to be Robert Venditti writing it and Ethan Van Skyver uh, and Rafa Sandoval drawing it. So this is going to have Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Guy Gardner, Kyle Rayner, and all the rest of the Corps in it, and it's going to come out twice a month. Robert Venditti's a pretty good writer. Ethan Van Skyver, really good artist. Obviously, he did uh, Rebirth. Uh, which was awesome. So they're bringing him back to a character that he helped. He helped in a rebirth of. So, and then this was. Uh, there's actually two titles coming out where they have agreed that this was something that they missed in the New Fifty Two. That they basically screwed up in the New Fifty Two. They're bringing back <laughs> Titans and Teen Titans. So, like you were talking about, Robert with Superman, I think that's. That Titans and Teen Titans is another thing that they really missed the mark on in the New 52. So with the Titans, we have uh, Dan Abnett and uh, writing it and Brett Booth drawing it. And this is going to focus on Dick Grayson, Donna Troy, Arsenal, and Garth, uh, which was, I don't know if Garth is going to be Aqualad or if he's going to be Tempest. I don't know. Um, and then Teen Titans is going to be Ben Percy writing it. John Boy Myers drawing it, which I don't know the the artist. Wow! Wow! I didn't know John Boy was doing. Yeah, John not familiar. Not familiar with him. What is so? Uh, you know, okay, a lot of the IDW trades for Joe. Okay. The really frenetic looking covers. Yeah. Uh, those are the the paperbacks. A lot of those are John Boy. Oh. Um, Robert, he does. He's been doing like video game work. I think right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I didn't know he was doing monthlies anymore. Interesting. Yeah. So this is uh, to your question earlier about Damian Wayne. This Teen Titans book is going to have Damian Damian Wayne as Robin, Starfire, Raven, Beast Boy, and Wally West as Kid Flash. That there's some of your Damian Wayne as Robin playing into that. So Suicide Squad's going to have Rob Williams on it as the writer. And the artists are going to be Jim Lee and Philip Tan. Hmm. And this is going to be a twice a month book coming out, which that surprised me, even though the movie's coming out. And then another big, to me, a big title is Blue Beetle, which is going to have Keith Giffen writing it and Scott Collins drawing it. And this title is going to bring back Ted Cord Blue Beetle hmm. as the mentor to Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. So finally, we're getting Ted Cord back. He's going to be live and kicking. <laughs> I did hear that once these have kicked off and are going, that we will probably see a Shazam title, uh, Legion of Superheroes title, and we definitely know we're going to get another Justice Society title. So I heard that Earth Two is supposed to continue, and that they're going to bring, but they're going to bring back the original Justice Society. 
which I was very excited to hear that because that was one of my favorite titles there for a long time. Uh, I'm curious. So we've you kind of gone through this rebirth piece. What do you think of these? I get it's not the DC Junior. I don't know what they're calling it, but this relaunch of Scooby Doo and Johnny <laughs> Quest and. I got to tell you, it's really funny. We were at the comic shop last week, and we saw the Jim Lee poster for Scooby Doo. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, I'm there with you. <laughs> it, it it just looks so odd. Yeah. Um, I don't tips, not, you know, I don't dislike it, but I don't know if I like it either. <laughs> it, it's one of those where you know, look, I just we were talking earlier about GI Joe having Cobra and being more mature. Yeah, I don't want hipster. Uh, I mean, well, you know, uh, Shaggy's a hipster anyway, but like with the tribal tattoos and the earrings, and I don't know what that thing that Scooby Doo's wearing. It like it shoots yeah. emojis out of it or something. Yeah, it just looks so odd. <laughs> yeah, and that's a, that's a, the couple things that I don't like about like well the shaggy thing i don't care about because i heard people going oh you made shaggy hipster i'm like shaggy's always been a hipster you're just making him a hipster for today's audience (laughs) right right um but the scooby-doo thing or scooby-doo himself thing i I agree i don't like the emoji thing like i want my scooby-doo to talk like that's what scooby does right um so i'm i am trying it i'm giving it a try we'll see what happens um I, all I can say is I'm giving the Johnny Quest book a try because Doc Shaner yeah. was born to draw that book. That one I'm excited about. That one, yeah, I, all the announced ones, yeah. I am super stoked about that one. Yeah, I'm very excited what I've seen about that. Um, that one I can tell yeah. you for a fact. I'm going. I know whether it's good or bad. I am going to be doing a, a video review of that one for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm. I love the characters of you know johnny quest and the herculoids and space ghost and all that and i totally agree with you art wise he was born to draw that book so that one i am super stoked about i don't i i don't think i've been this excited about a title as i was when i saw that title was coming out uh at least not for a long time what what about the uh what about the flintstones stuff that you see what do you the flintstones one i'm mixed on (laughs) Because it looks like I don't know, it looks like they're going a little too real world with it. That's that's what I was thinking too. Robert, have you seen any of those? Have you seen any of the paintings or any of the things for these relaunched, you know, Hanna Barbera titles? The especially this the I guess the new the newest painting I've saw of Flintstones, it just looked it did, it looked so real. Yeah. It was very, very odd. He just walked away. <laughs> That's what I think of you and your Flintstone. <laughs> Take his Flintstone vitamins. Oh, he's right. okay. You back? All right. Well, yeah, I can just barely hear you guys. You're cutting in and out so much. I, okay. I mean, I've barely been able to follow along with, but I just I feel like I can't interrupt or interact with the conversation very much. Okay. Well, jump in any time. We'll stop talking. <laughs> have you heard? Uh, have you seen much when it comes to the Hanna Barbera? Uh, things that DC are doing with them, where you got the, like the Flintstones and the Scooby Doo and the Future Quest with like Johnny Quest and all that, and the Wacky Racers. Uh, I haven't seen them. I'm checking them out. Okay. Um, is there a good spot I could go? I'm just doing like Hanna Barbera comics. Like, I would do like DC or something like that. Uh, well, I found. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. I see him. I see him. <laughs> yeah, I see the Jim Lee uh, Scooby Doo one. Yeah. 
And then Future Quest does look cool. Yeah. I would love to see a new Space Ghost comic. Yeah. And it seems like Space Ghost is going to play into that. It's like they're making it all one world um, with him and the Herculoids and Johnny Quest and all that. Yeah, man. So good. Yeah, <laughs> Though it's hard for me to it's hard for me to see Brack <laughs> and not think of Space Ghost Coast to Coast and just be like, <laughs> I can't take this seriously at all. Very funny. But check out the Flintstones too. Whoa, yeah, I just saw that. I agree it's a little too realistic. Like <laughs> I get it, but uh that's funny. And then the Wacky Racers, it's going to be called Wacky Raceland, and it's uh, going to be like Mad Max meets the Wacky Racers. Um, <laughs> like a Mad Max, yeah. And that's honestly the pitch they, they gave for it, too, was that it was going to be Mad Max meets the Wacky Racers. <laughs> and they're sticking with the humanoid characters for Wacky Racers, too, I found out. So I don't know. I'm going to try these titles. I'm actually honestly trying all of them. Um but I have mixed feelings about some of them. So <laughs> I'm very excited about Future Quest, Scooby Doo. I'm iffy on the Wacky Racers. I'm I, I'm interested in it, and then the Flintstones one. I'm like that one. I might go like one issue and then be done. <laughs> but like I said, the Future Quest one I'm super excited about. So we'll see how that one is. I think they'll probably be able to get like. Um some decent artists on the future quest stuff, just because like that's third generation cartoons and you've got some really big name artists that would yeah. like to do that for nostalgic reasons. Yeah. Well, we got doc Shaner is starting it. So his art is perfect for, for that. So, all right. So also since we've been talking about DC, uh, Robert, I know you saw Batman V Superman. What, what were, what were your thoughts on it? What did you think of the movie? Uh, it's been interesting. I, <laughs> before I've been listening to a, a lot of podcasts that every time there's any kind of news that comes out about it, they review it, they talk about it. So I've just felt like it was just talked to death and it's had so many previews that when I went to the movie, I felt like, uh, I didn't know what to expect. I was excited about it. Um, I saw one, I saw one, uh, <laughs> interview that had uh henry cavill and ben affleck and that were being interviewed and the interviewer i'm surprised he said this but he was just like so there's you know the, it, this was like during the weekend it was coming out and they said all right so we've had a really big budget um big box office weekend i, I hope you guys are excited about that and they're like ben affleck and henry cavill are like nodding they're like yeah yeah he goes but there's been some mixed reviews there's a lot of people who come out and critically it's not getting reviewed very well. Like it's not a good movie. Uh, so what are your thoughts about that? And I was like, what a dumb ballsy question to ask <laughs> the two lead actors of a movie. Like, right. Ballsy. But at the same time, like you're just coming across as a, like a complete jerk. Yeah. But anyway, right when he asked this question, you see Henry Cavill, like immediately. Well, you know, it's it's different for everybody and this and this and this. And then he goes into this long-winded answer, kind of trying to think on his feet and trying to deal with an awkward question, which, like, I've had that before. You deal with it. And then you look and you see Bat, you see Ben Affleck just, like, slowly kind of droop and his eyes kind of space out. And he just looks incredibly sad. 
like <laughs> like the weight of the world is on his shoulders and it's crumbling and he just feels like the saddest person ever and you're just like and then i watch this on a youtube video and then there's like sad music comes in because it's it's kind of playing up the fact that somebody saw this interview and they're like wow man ben affleck's super sad in this and so it just really it, it makes it even more like <laughs> empathetic for ben affleck and then at the end, after Henry Cavill goes on this long explanation, he goes, uh, and he goes, well, what do you think about it, Ben? And Ben's like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> so this huge, huge answer. And he was just like so sad and depressed. So I saw that interview before I saw the movie. <laughs> and like more than anything, I wanted, I wanted the movie to be good for the sake of Ben Affleck. <laughs> Because I felt so bad for him. It's sad Affleck. It was, yeah, sad Affleck. I felt so bad. So I went into it. Um, I think the takeaways for me is that it definitely felt like a sequel to Man of Steel for a lot of reasons. The opening sequence, seeing the whole uh, third, you know, part of the third act of Man of Steel through Bruce Wayne's eyes in the ground level, I thought was brilliant. I liked that a lot. Yeah. Uh, it gave us a look at Bruce Wayne as a character that we haven't seen in the movies very often, you know, just like uh, I really enjoyed his Bruce Wayne quite a bit. The, it, it was just such a dark tone for Superman that I just, I just don't agree that Zack Snyder was ever the best choice director for a Superman movie, because to me, Superman is and Metropolis is that brighter, that story full of hope. I mean, all the things that Superman stands for. So it, it did come across like just generally dark, which is okay. You know, that's their choice for their movies and it does separate them from the Marvel universe, superhero movies. So for me, the, again, the takeaways were that it came across as a man of steel sequel. I absolutely loved the, uh, the Batman and could easily see a trilogy of Batman movies roll out and spawn off of this. And I think if it was, you know, kind of uh I loved Alfred. Jeremy Irons as Alfred. I love the whole Bat Universe version of this. Yeah. The the only thing I disagree with of on the Batman aspect of it is that he was going around branding people. It's yeah. one thing for Batman to, you know, apprehend uh, a criminal and even be, uh, you know, physically rough on certain ones. You know what I mean to to subdue them. Yeah. But but branding somebody goes beyond just beating them up or, or subduing them. It, it, it becomes a torture. I mean, it, it's, it's that next step. And I kind of get that this is an older Batman, a more world weary Batman. And, you know, it, it was only against, you know, like pretty horrible criminals, like child predators and stuff that that's just, you know what I mean? But the idea is that he would brand them, they would get sent to jail. Then basically other prisoners would kill them. Yeah. I'm kind of middle of the road too, Robert. So yeah. Like, I think I went into it. I just wanted it to be good. Like so bad. I wanted it to be good. So I went into it with certain expectations. I really want to watch it a second time. And from everybody I've heard, the people who were kind of on the fence, when they saw it a second time, they liked it much better. Yeah. So I want to, I I do want to see it again and kind of give it that chance. It seems very polarizing. It's like, there's been a lot of people that have been like, they either love it or they hate it. And I've been very middle of the road with it. There's things I did love about it. And there was things I was like, didn't really care for about it. 
Um, yeah. I thought, I agree. I think Ben Affleck did an awesome Batman. Uh, Cavill was fine as Superman, but I agree. Like he, he's supposed to be this opposite of Batman as far as he's supposed to be that hope character and everything else. And he never smiled in the whole movie. <laughs> like, well, I guess it's Clark Kent. He did a couple of times, but, um, but as Superman, I never saw him smile. Like the dream sequences could have been completely taken out of the movie. They didn't add anything for me at all. The Justice League stuff could have been taken out of the movie. I felt like that was forced into the movie. Um, I love Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I thought she was fantastic as Wonder Woman. Definitely. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I thought once we got to the Batman versus Superman part of the movie, I thought it was actually a really fun movie. I thought it was actually a really good, you know, good popcorn movie. But it was the stuff that led up to that that I was like, Okay, like, I thought there were certain scenes where if you were not a heavy comic book fan, you would be completely lost. Like, the whole Flash scene of him appearing in that dream sequence. Oh, gosh, yeah, no kidding. Even I was like, is that supposed to be the Flash? I couldn't really tell. Like, I think people that are not huge comic book fans would be completely lost as to what that scene even meant or what it was or or anything. Um, I think the whole future scene dream sequence where Batman Superman's like the ruler and he comes down and unmasks the captive Batman. I think that would have been cool as like a post credit scene, but as, and to where people would be like, Holy crap, what was that? What did that mean? But to show it as a dream sequence in the movie, like would it completely lost the audience. It, at least, it, you know, I was like, what the heck does this mean? And what's going on? So um, so I, I, there was like, to your point, Robert, there was things I absolutely loved. I thought there were really good things. Um, and I thought there was some things that were completely like discombobulated. It just needed, I think it felt like it needed a better editor at some, at <laughs> certain points. Um, there's, de- you definitely have, um, the Batman, uh, dark Knight you know, Dark Knight Returns storyline in there. Yeah. You have, another, you have a Superman story that's in there that I don't want to say what it is because the title of what the Superman story is is going to give away the ending of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but I did like that ending. I, I was a little surprised about that. Um, you know, as soon as they kind of mentioned who, or as soon as you saw in the trailer who kind of the big monster bad guy was, you right. think, well, there's a possibility that they're doing that story arc. But... Um, I, I did not expect them to go through with that, and it, it felt a bit weird because it all happened so quick in that third act. Um, I kind of wish they would have done the Batman versus Superman Dark Knight Returns aspect and then have maybe some other kind of bad guy and then do the last 15 minutes of the movie, do like build up to it and make that the third Superman movie. Yeah. Um, and then somehow tie that into the Justice League stuff, you know, kind of down the road. So uh, I think that they, by them cramming those two big story arcs into one movie, seemed a bit disjointed and yeah. not like a natural progression. That, as it was, the, I mean, because you had the visuals of the Dark Knight Returns fight, but it's not yeah. like Superman was in the same place. In Dark Knight Returns, Superman's a much different character, and it makes sense why Batman would fight Superman, and sure. why Superman would, uh, you know, just be kind of following orders of that part and fight Batman. 
in this yeah. movie, it's just so incredibly contrived. Yeah. You the, know, the thing, the, the thing is too, you have like one of the things I don't think as a, as a longtime comic reader of, of Batman and Superman, like you have Batman killing people with guns, which I don't have a lot. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it because like you say, he's this older Batman, but you have not established why he's willing to do that. Like, at some point right. in the movie, you need to establish that he has reached that point in his career where this is the, he's willing to do that now, um, and you didn't establish that. So, um, yeah. I, the, I think, the other thing too is like people made such a fuss about Superman killing at the end of Man of Steel, and yeah. in that situation, I got it. You know, I, I was fine with that. But at the right. very beginning of this movie where he plows that terrorist guy like through five walls, yeah. I'm like, that guy is paced. <laughs> there is no way he survived that. Right. And then I was confused by like, why would anybody think Superman killed all those people anyway? They were shot with guns. Yeah. I you know, it makes sense if either. they like somehow like killed everybody with lasers or some type of heat vision, you know, replicated gun. Um, right. But it's like they were just shot. Like, why would anybody think Superman went in there and shot them? He obviously took out yeah. the main, the main, you know, terrorist leader and saved Lois Lane. But why? Yeah. Why are people all up in arms about him going over there and doing that yeah. when it was clearly he didn't, he wasn't the one who killed all those people? Yeah, and 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 I don't want it to be just all a bashing of the movie because, like I said, I thought it was a good movie. I liked it. I didn't love it. And that was the thing. I wanted to love it. You're putting Batman and Superman in the same movie for the first time on the big screen. I wanted to really love it. Um, It just, it, there was some elements of the story that just didn't, weren't there for me. They weren't tight enough. It wasn't a tight enough story for me. But like I said, once we got to the, you know, Batman having a face off against Superman and, and you know the battle was happening, and and then they had they decided to team up and everything. I thought all that was great, and like I say, I thought Gal Gadot was amazing as one yeah. woman. I thought that was cool, and she was having fun with the battle. I thought that was cool, like when she she got thrown off by uh, the big bad at the end of the movie, like, and she kind of like smiled and he had this little smirk, like, all right, that's how we're gonna play. All right, let's go. Like I thought that was really and, cool. and I saw an interview too where that was. That was her improvising. Yeah. Oh, nice. I, I saw an interview that 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 was her improvising in her character. You know what I mean? And that was the take they used. And I'm like, she's got a handle on it. Like she knows, yeah. I think, how to play this character in a, in a really good way. It makes me it nervous. It makes me nervous. All the talk I'm hearing about like Warner Brothers reevaluating how they're going to roll out various movies, and I'm like, yeah. they just need to stick to their plan and do it. Yeah, um, I think all this second guessing is going to ruin their entire movie franchise. Like it's already halted it so so much. They just need to roll it out and do it, and people are going to like it or not. Um, but it's I think in general it's going to make enough money that it'll be worth doing. So just do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're they're so they're second guessing themselves constantly because of they the are. success of Marvel. Like they just need to put it out there, and people will support it. Yeah, like I heard about how they're doing reshoots for Suicide Squad to add some more funny moments into it. And it's like because they're afraid that all the funny moments were in the trailer and that's what people responded positively to. And it's like just if you had a good solid story for Suicide Squad, just run with it. Just go with it. And 
I think Suicide Squad looks really interesting. And yeah, I, I'm after seeing Batman Batman v Superman, I'm really interested in the Wonder Woman movie because I think Gal Gadot did a great job and I so I'm really interested in seeing that movie. Um, even though this movie wasn't everything I was hoping it would be, I, I think it's you know, I think it was good enough that I'm really interested to see what they do next. So yeah. so we'll we'll see. We'll we'll see. But like I said, for me it was a three out of five. For, you know, if you were to put it on a five-point scale, it was right in the middle. It wasn't everything I wanted it to be, but it wasn't a complete train wreck either. So, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I completely agree. I would say out of a five stars or something, I would give it a three and a half. Like it was, uh, it gave me enough fan service moments that I was. Ex- I, I thought it looked nice, and it was a, uh, you know, some. It's easy for me to sit here and nitpick the things I didn't like because. Um, they stand out, mm-hmm. but then you, you know, you got to say overall, like I did, I loved the visuals of it. And I, I loved seeing these characters on screen together and I want to see more. Like I will definitely go see every other DC movie that comes out. So it's not like this was bad enough that it would ever, it would keep me from spending more money on this particular franchise. Yeah. And I think that, so in that, in that sense, you know, they've accomplished their goal. I, yeah. I, but I mean, I think it's the internet frenzy is really blowing it out of proportion a bit. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with that. So last topic that we wanted to, to touch on, uh, and this will bring John back into the conversation <laughs> with us. Uh, John, you heard about a book that's coming out. Uh, it was just recently. Yeah. So uh, Emerald city this weekend, uh, there was an announcement earlier today from Dynamite that they are going to put out The Art of Atari hardcover. It's a 350-page book that covers the history of Atari and uh, includes a lot of the artwork. Uh, primarily, it looked like a lot of it comes from the uh, covers to the old cartridge, you know, to the old cartridges stuff. Yeah. I think it's a great idea for, a, for an art book. Uh, surprised somebody hadn't done it before, but, uh, but just the few little bit of previews out there that I saw were really really interesting. So uh, it was a a fun uh, a fun announcement to say the least. Yeah, and I will say like uh, it, it must be like video game nostalgia year or something like that. There was a Kickstarter that came out, uh, which I'll be getting the book for once they print it and everything. Um, that it's like every NES game that ever came out, and it's a, like it gives the summary of what the game was about. It shows the cover art. Uh, it shows some screenshots of, of the game and everything else. So then when I heard this book was coming out, where it's gonna, which is going to show the artwork of the Atari games, I was like, I was very excited. And I just heard about this tonight from you. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's a fantastic idea. Like you said, I'm surprised no one's done it yet. But, you know, we love talking about art on this show. And I love concept art and everything else, too. So... Uh, I don't know if we'll see some of that in this book or not, if we'll see like some of the original sketch ideas for it, or if we're just going to see the actual art that was created. Either way, I'm excited about it. I think it'll be very cool. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll hear, maybe there'll be some little blurbs next to the artwork of like what the thought was behind some of it or where it originated from, or even just who the artist was that worked on it. Um, I think it, it's a really cool concept for a book. I definitely will be picking this up when it, when it comes out. So um, was there any release date that they said or like, uh, I, I don't recall. Unfortunately, I want to say it was in the fall, but uh, yeah, it, it, 
again, they, there were just a handful of, you know, it looks like CBR and USA okay. Today had, had an article already yeah. up about it. Nice. Uh, CBR, Bleeding Cool, you know, the, the, the comic book sites all had a, had a, had something out on it. I, this, it's, uh, I, I'm not familiar with Dynamite doing something like that before, so that's kind of an interesting, yeah. uh, interesting move for them too, to, to, yeah. to branch out and something like that. So just looking at the USA Today uh, article, it looks like uh, the book's going to be pretty affordable too. It's going to be thirty nine ninety nine, which is not bad for a hardcover art book that has that many pages. That large, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to have video game veterans. It says video game veterans who owned an Atari video game console are well aware of its biggest hits like Space Invaders, Asteroids, and Combat. But a new book is launching this this fall. Uh, pays tribute to the artwork used to sell those classic games. So um, I know I played a lot of Space and Space Invaders is probably my favorite Atari game ever. I don't know if you have a, a favorite that you remember playing a lot. Uh, my my favorite is probably Pitfall, but I okay. will say, look at just what I saw the art today. And that cover for, I think it's the art for Super Breakout, which is the astronaut yeah. with the visor and you see the, you see the uh, breakout blocks in the in the that that is when I saw it. Wow, it took me right back. That was so. And then the missile command picture. I, I believe the cover looks like it's going to be some on the cover. really yeah. cool, really cool images there that they. Yeah, they looks like they there. also have like centipedes going to be on there, and um, yeah, and like, um, do you remember Adventure being one of the? Oh titles? sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, one of the very first like role playing game type games uh fantasy type games so so let me ask you this because i am a fan of doing this and uh robert stepped away for a second so i want to kind of ask his opinion i'm a big fan about like concept art books Mm -hmm, absolutely um so even when it comes to like especially when it comes to movies or video games or stuff like that so like i've got the concept art book for like the Tomb Raider series and the sure. concept art book for um, Fallout and things like that. Um, and obviously I have concept art books for Star Wars. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Shocker there. Um, World of Warcraft, I, I like a lot of those concept art books that have come out with the video games and, and the spinoffs and everything else. Um, do you get into some of that stuff or do you do you get some of those books sometimes? or so? So I don't personally, but my kids have really gotten into the uh, art books for the video games. Uh, okay. so, uh, Jacob's got all the Assassin's Creed art books. Daniel got the Fallout, or no, I'm sorry, not Fallout, um, Destiny. Okay. He got that book for Christmas. Uh, I believe Jacob's got the Fallout books. There, there. I do like looking through them. It's just you know, really, what with what I'm doing anymore, what I like to read. There's not a lot for me necessarily. I do have some of the. I, I've got an Alex Ross book that DC did a few, I mean, many few years ago. Um, oh, Rough from, Justice. Yeah, I think it's got Superman on the cover. Yeah, it's a hard cover. It's got a lot of the prelims and, and art shots and their picture, you know, like uh, some of the things he did. But I, I, the the video game ones have been really interesting to see. You know, especially the, some of those prelims or or concepts are just so elaborate. Yeah, you know, paintings like full blown paintings and. Yeah. Holy cow! The the time that the time and energy invested in those is is a uh, is really something. So yeah, I, I, like I said, we've we've gotten into those in the last year or so, really starting to pick those up more. So like I said, for the kids with the video games, but I, I think uh, 
I think they're 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 a great addition to to any collection certainly, but also if you're really into something to kind of see yeah. some of that and get an appreciation for just how much time and effort goes into these things. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, Uncharted was another one that I got the art book for mm-hmm. um, sure. that I thought was fantastic, and, and I mean be, especially being an Indiana Jones fan that I am, like the Tomb Raider ones and the Uncharted ones were perfect because it's like you get these jungle artist depictions and uh, temples and all that type of stuff. So I think they're a lot of fun. Um, the, I, of course, n- no shocker here, got the, the art of the force awakens. So mm-hmm. it's got all that concept art in there and everything else. And like you said, the, the, what goes into it, there was one uh, book I picked up that was like a, a comic artist that I think was just called realms or something like that. I didn't know the artist. I didn't know. I just knew it was fantasy based. And it was okay. an art book of his stuff. And it was like you had goblins and trolls and uh, like weird, these weird, weird different elf creatures and stuff like that. And it was just in dragons and everything. It was just interesting to go through it. And like I said, I knew nothing of what it was like, what it created. And, right. he, uh, but it was a cool art book. Right. Um Robert, one of the things we were just talking about, and I don't know if, if this is something you get into at all or not, especially from being an artist, do you get into any, like, the concept art books at all, like for video games or movies or anything like that? Um, <clears throat> I do have a few. I, like, I've picked up all the behind-the-scenes, like, art of, like, uh, the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, the Marvel movies, like Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers and those i do enjoy those I, I love the kind of the concepts to see how they especially like designs they didn't use and how they kind of yeah. worked up to that final design that works um yeah i mean that's i, I really enjoy a lot of that i have a few video game ones i'm not as wor- I'm, not, I'm not as interested in the like digital painted concepts of levels or environments yeah. right as much as the characters themselves. And so I find a lot of those books are really heavy on environmental designs yeah, and, and a lot less on character design. So it's like, I've picked up a few, but um, I find that's not really, Yeah, I wish they would just do like a character art book, but like the ones I told John that I've picked up that I've really liked. Um, I've gotten the uh, world of Warcraft ones. Uh, oh, I bet that's good. Yeah. The, those are awesome. And there's been an art of, whatever for for world of warcraft for every um expansion that they've done so i have all of those man i don't have to look into that that's a good so those are awesome idea. um i got the tomb raider one which mm-hmm. is the art of tomb raider which that was really cool because there is a lot of uh character concept art and everything else which i don't know if you guys know this or not but the tomb raider character was originally supposed to be a guy and hmm. uh it through and then the female character of laura croft was going to be like a a spin-off character or like that you were going to be able to play uh, once you like beat the game and things like that. And they found out that that character actually tested well and everything else that they decided to make that just the main character. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah. So I also uh, like, that's one of the things I like with it too, is like they give you not only the concept art, so you get to actually see some of the sketches that they were doing and everything else, but you also get like some of the story behind the concept art. Um, and then the uncharted was another one that I mentioned to John that I really liked because again, I, I liked the Indiana Jones characters. So, um, 
Uncharted with the Nathan Drake and everything else. You yeah. get to see some of the concept art of the. And I've pick, I have so. picked that one up. I do like that one. Yeah, that's been a really good one. So, um, and like I told John, I did of course get the Force Awakens art of the Force Awakens. So, oh, no shocker there that. for anyone. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, that's like but yeah. I've gotten the recent the he the the art of He Man came out recently, and I yes. love that book. That's so that good. That was really good. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what other art books I've gotten recently. I'm just I keep looking behind me because I'm looking at my um, yeah my shelf of, the, of uh, books. Art artography for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, I don't know if you saw that one or not. No, I don't think I've seen that one. Is it yeah. for like IDW books or the old yeah. old yeah, school series IDW. or what? Oh, well, it's the old school series, but it was uh, produced by IDW. And uh, yeah, I'm looking. Let's see. Yeah, it's called the Arto Artobiography. Oh, okay, called. that's cool. But going back to the Atari book, The Art of Atari, uh, John and I both mentioned some games that we liked uh, from Atari. Do you remember any games in particular that you enjoyed playing with Atari? Um, I, my my best memory of Atari is, what was it, like the 2600 or something that came out? The yep, Atari that was the first one, yes. 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 Yeah. And then what was the second one that came out? The 5200. Uh, 5200, yeah. Which was basically twenty six hundred times, 10. and then and then the seventy eight hundred. <laughs> okay, yeah. So the links. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it was yeah, it was the twenty six hundred. I remember a lot of my friends had Atari, so we were kind of late getting one, and it was for Christmas, and we woke up and it was all set up. We're like, whoa! And like, there was a game ready to play Christmas morning. I'm like, this is awesome! And we jumped in and started playing it right away. And my mom and dad were like, hey, let's have a tournament. And kind of later on in the day, we we're like, oh, that sounds awesome. So we built up this big tournament board. And I yeah. think we were, I forget even what we were playing. Uh, man, maybe it was like asteroids or space invaders, but it was something that where you could just, your, whatever your total points were, everybody got a chance to go. And whoever had the highest score would move on. And my parents killed us. They were so <laughs> good at this. And we're like, how are you so good at video games? Like, what? And it turned like they had bought the Atari like three weeks previous and they'd been playing it every night after we went to bed <laughs> and they were like phenomenal <laughs> <in> these games. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So then, I, that must've been a thing to have like the, the tournament boards for Atari. Cause I remember doing that with my, my dad, <laughs> like my dad and my uncle, we were part of uh, Indian guides, which was like the cheap man's version of boy scouts. And uh, <laughs> one of the meetings we had it was just my dad and my uncle and my cousin and myself. And we decided that for that meeting, we were going to do like a tournament with against the parents. Uh, and we played like different games, like you said, Space Invaders and Pac-Man, which Pac-Man, looking back at it, looked nothing like Pac-Man in the arcade at all. Oh, yeah. It's such a poor man's version. But I remember playing it and loving it as a kid. <laughs> um, one of my favorites was to play was combat, though. Um, I never played. I love playing Space Invaders was my favorite, but combat was so much fun. Where each person would be a tank on a, like a maze type board, and yeah. you had to like. You oh, I totally shots. remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that. Oh my yeah. gosh, I totally forgot about that game. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, so uh, for me, my favorite my favorite ones were Space Invaders and Asteroids. Yes. And we played the crap out of those. Yep. Then uh, later on, ones I really like was Pole Position. Yep. And even later on was like the Indiana Jones game. I hated the where, Indiana Jones game. Oh wait, are you talking about Pitfall or are you talking about the actual Raiders of the Lost Ark game? The, 
Pitfall where you swing with the alligators and you swing over stuff. Well, I remember I remember Pitfall. Okay. But this was one where you went around and you had to collect a gun and you had to collect a, yeah. a whatever and you oh. went into this room, you know, and you had yeah. to clear out the room. I hated um, that game. I played that a lot. I, I don't that know game. that it was a great game. I just I hated that game. Because <laughs> I would always I would always end up falling down the cliff and it'd be and like you're you're dead. I remember you would fall I remember you had a parachute at one point. Yeah, the parachute yep. down something. Yep. And, oh man, yeah, I remember that game. I played that a lot. I don't know that I liked it, but I played it a lot. <laughs> I played it a lot, but I sucked at it. So <laughs> <laughs> the ET game was horrible. I never um, played that one. I did it, and it's known as being one of the worst video games ever. And I agree, it's, <laughs> it's awful. I remember playing um, Qbert a lot. Did you end up watching? Have either one of you watched Game Over? The documentary yes, about the Atari, about Atari. It was really, it really I haven't yet. I have it on my queue. I haven't watched it yet. Um, yeah, it was it was really interesting. One of the people uh, that's that's watching and listening to us, uh, we're on Blab. Uh, it, they mentioned River Raid and Keystone Capers, uh, which I remember River Raid really well. Um, yeah, I loved playing that one. Centipede. I, I loved playing Centipede. That that was a good one. Uh, Missile Command. I played a lot. Um, man, I'm trying to think of some of the, the obscure ones. Sequest, do you guys remember Sequest at all? Yes. Mm-mm. Where you're the submarine and you go yep. underwater and you have to shoot like the sharks and you have to collect the divers. <laughs> and... No, I don't remember that one. Yeah. Um, barnstorming. Do you remember barnstorming? I'm going to do a quick search on, mm-hmm. on Atari game. Man, I played some just some really obscure ones that were circus. You remember the circus one? Where you shot out of a yes. Uh, berserk, um, berserk. Oh I yeah, I, I was just looking up like best Atari game, twenty six hundred Atari games, and Berserk is up there. Yeah, there was. But see, uh, like some of these came out like, oh, man. Oh my gosh, this brings back memory. I just saw a picture of the twenty six hundred and it brought back this wave of nostalgia. <laughs> That's so crazy. Like some of these games came out way before my time, like before I was. Someone just mentioned Enduro. I mean, some of these games are. I I loved Enduro. It was a racing game. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. And you drove through the night and you drove through the day. It was an Enduro race. You kept driving. Oh, okay. I think I do remember that one. That was an Activision game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Activision. Oh, I remember Activision. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. River Raid. Atlantis. Did you, either of you guys play Atlantis? I played Atlantis. Yeah. It looked like kind of like Missile Command, but then it ends yep. up being a pretty different game. Yep. There Demon was one Attack. Yeah. Well, I, to, I mentioned to uh, to uh, John uh, Adventure, which had like the dragon, and you get you got the key for the castle, and it was one of like the very first uh, role playing type games. I remember playing that one a lot. So, um, and and the funny thing is, looking back at these games, I remember as a kid, like. And I'm sure it's because of your imagination, you used a lot of your imagination playing these games. Like, these games are so intricate in my head. But, man, looking back at them now, I'm like, wow, oh. those were so pixelated. <laughs> so. Well, I got it. My, my folks got me a throwback, one of the plug-in Atari 2600, you know, sim, you know emulators that yeah, came out yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. They, they put out like four or five of them. I think they got me the number three one. And I tell you, I, I plugged it in and tried And this was after we had gotten a Wii. Yep. And the kids were so bored. They were so <laughs> bored. I mean, I was laughing and carrying on. And of course, you know, I knew like with attack uh, or with combat, you know, to 
right. move the tank so I could ricochet the bullets and stuff, yeah. and it would just drive them nuts, and they hated it. Oh, they hated I, it. I loved combat. That was one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I remember playing uh, Donkey Kong on there. I'm just looking at some of the games like Robert's doing. Donkey Kong was awesome. I played Qbert like crazy. Man, yeah, looking at looking at back at some of these games, it's just like I'm trying to think. Oh, Dig Dug. I played. I played. Some oh Dig man, Dug. Frogger. I mean, everybody Frogger. played the crap out of Frogger. Oh my god, Frogger was ridiculous. Uh, playing that one, yeah, ton of time. Do you remember the boxing game where it's the white boxer and the black boxer, and they're just like the you just see from it's like a top down. You're like this, yeah, yeah. And you yep. Oh my them. gosh. Sorry, I just saw a screenshot of combat, and I com- I totally remember that now. Oh, and there was that a was Ghostbusters so game. I totally forgot about that. There was a Ghostbusters game. Wow. And basketball, it was literally like two stick figures and yep. like a a pole on each side with like a like <laughs> a hoop, a hoop, kind of a yeah, not even a hoop. <laughs> Well, I hope the art book that's coming out is not art of the image, not images of the games. <laughs> right. Let's stick to the card cartridge there, art in the box was, because there really is Star Wars game though too. If you remember, there was a Star Wars and an Empire Strikes Back game. Yep, too, there was, which were horrible. But yes, I agree. It needs to be. The, it, it looks like, and it is going to. It looks like it's going to be the packaging package art. art. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Which was fantastic packaging art. I mean, you figure they. They had to use their imagination to sell these games to us because yeah. <laughs> some of them were just big boxes <laughs> of blocky characters and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that art book. That should be awesome. And, oh and, man, I just looked up just a Google search of best cartridge art from Atari. Yeah, and some of this stuff is just phenomenal. Like, it's crazy, isn't it? How good it is? Geez, stuff that stands out. Yeah, Warlords and Combat looks so good. Flag capture. I mean, and that's the stuff that made you buy the game because you're like, oh, look, that that looks like it's going to be – Berserk looked amazing. Like, you're like, oh, that looks like it's going to be incredible. And then you played the game. Or Yars Revenge. It's that great 70s kind of watercolor wash type illustration. Or it's like 80s lasers and – Yes. And the weird digital effects all over the place. So good, man. And like you were mentioning, John, the super breakout with the astronaut. I love it. Stuff. I love that one. Man. That was a fantastic one. So that one's um, really good. Yeah, man. Some of this stuff just brings back some great memories. So, uh, Night Driver. I remember that one. <laughs> that one looks great. Yeah. So the, you know, the, uh, in the article, it does say it comes out in the fall. Again, it's only going to be thirty nine ninety nine, which is a really good price. Uh, I'm sure you'll be able to get even cheaper than that, like through Amazon or if you have any online services that you you use. Um, you said it's coming out from Dynamite, correct? I think, yeah, yeah, Dynamite. Yep. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> so, what are you seeing? <laughs> well, there's like you know you have all the classic games, right? And then there's various spoof ones oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, like yeah. Circus. Uh, this I'm sure it was the cover for the circus game, and it and they somebody went in with Photoshop and made it look like, and the title is "Gay French Mario Brothers," because <laughs> oh, you have a guy leaping with a red suit, another guy leaping with a uh-huh. green suit, and they look just nice. like totally flamboyant. <laughs> nice. Oh. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, you guys think we? Uh... I 
Shot I think we need this one. I think we need to determine who the winner of our contest is. Oh yeah, well you know what? I did not get oh, the yeah. names from that one. So. <laughs> oh no, I didn't write them down. So um, yeah, uh, so we will have that next episode. We will have the winner next um, time, folks. I, I apologize. I did not. Uh, and John, you mentioned it. It's all my fault. Um, you did mention, hey, let's have, have the drawing for yeah. it. And I, I did not. Trying to give it. away the funny books and they just won't let me. Trying to give away the funny books. So <laughs> we will we will draw a name next episode and uh, I will have them written down on a piece of paper. And since we do have this video thing going on, you guys will know that it's on the up and up. Um, that, uh, But yeah, I think we had like five or six people that that let us know that they left reviews and everything. So, oh, there's the circus uh, (laughs) artwork uh, Robert showing us. So that's awesome. Uh Wow. That book's going to bring back a lot of memories though, which is going to be, which this show is all about. So, oh, there's Rocksteady. Yeah. So that's what I got so far. Whoa, he's like rushing it. Yeah, that looks awesome, man. Is that a commission, Robert, or is that or is that one of those variants you're doing for? Uh, yeah, it's just one. It's one of the covers, and we're doing a. They're doing a Bebop Rocksteady. I don't know if it's a mini series or its own series, but huh. a number one Bebop Rocksteady number one comes out in June. Yeah. So these are some variants that'll go along with that. Nice. nice. I did see that. Very that's cool. coming out it's like Bebop, Bebop and Rocksteady, like destroy the world or something like that. It's yeah. <laughs> so yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, and it's like it's going to come out weekly. Um, yeah, so I think it's just a mini series, hmm. but they're going to kind of blast it out there. Yeah. Speaking of which, one last thing to mention uh, is Turtles is having us another ongoing that's coming out for IDW. It's going to be, Man. I think, it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Universe, and it's going to focus on the um, supporting characters of the Turtles. So it's oh cool. Yeah, so you'll you'll have stuff like Casey Jones and. Mondo Gecko and things like that. So um, I think that'll be a pretty cool title. So I'm like, I just don't get how they, they're just really nailing the Transformers and Ninja Turtles and a few other like 80s property stuff. But just G.I. Joe is just so dead in the water. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. Like you said, you know, they've got all these eight, like they're bringing back um, Strawberry Shortcake, you know, as another 80s one, which I'm getting the first issue just to review it. (laughs) Getting <laughs> it as an ongoing thing. Wait um, till the collected hardcover comes out, man. Right. Um, so I just I think it's even when it's not even at all like a similar property, like Strawberry Shortcake or My Little Pony, or something like that. They just know who their demographic is. They pick the right artists, the right yeah. writers, and they promote it the right way. I mean, they just seem to have such a good handle on it until they get to GI Joe, and they just don't have a clue. Yeah. So know, well, man. maybe they'll listen to us. We threw out some good ideas of things they could maybe try to do, and maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll do one of those. So. Okay, so I I do need to like clarify. I think them having the Real American Hero book is a great idea, and I think that it's fulfilling. Like we've talked about, it fulfills that market. So I don't want Shannon to come on and listen to this and be like, "Yeah, we're bashing the book he's on." Shannon's no. not listening. That's, don't it, worry. Oh, okay, that's true. <laughs> but I think, but I, I mean, so I want to point out, like, yes, they're doing that right, but they could be doing so much more, right, than just putting that title out. Well, and that's oh, the. I, I mean, I said with my ideas, like, I don't want them to stop doing a real American hero. I think that, right. that is, I, I think they're fine doing that one. It's let's do some of these other titles that might get GI Joe some other attention, and then 
that could feed into a real American hero. Like I said, there's a lot of times I read a title and I go, oh, I really like those characters. Oh, there's other books out there with those characters in it. Let me go yeah. ahead and read those too. So even if it's a different take, I still a lot of times will go, oh, let me go check out those characters. Um, I mean, yeah. let's face it. I, I picked up, uh, you know, Transformers versus G.I. Joe because I was like, well, I like G.I. Joe. I like Transformers. It ended up not being a title for me, but it was something I wanted to try because they were characters I liked. So I think if you do something like that with G.I. Joe, where you're doing a different take on G.I. Joe and a different title, it could draw people to the real American hero, which I don't want to go away. I think that's a good title to have out there. So, And speaking of G.I. Joe Transformers, I'm doing another variant cover for them for the, for the last issue, the final issue. Well, yeah. good. Cause I, I ordered the subscription variant cover because I didn't like the regular cover for it. So, <laughs> and I didn't, I don't even know what the variant cover is for it. I assume it's going to be yours. That's the subscri- subscription variant cover. Um, so I'll be happy to see some Robert Atkins art on that. So <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to do it. I can't well, wait. I'm, I'm assuming it'll be something similar to what I did for the 200, 100 crossover. Yeah. Yeah, covers just an awesome battle scene with the characters, and I'm just going to draw them in their classic, yeah, you know, designs and looks. So, I mean, if I if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it the way I want to, and right. So I'm excited about and it. the way it should have been done all along. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. I know people <laughs> loved that title, but um, not enough. Right, but if but if you put Robert Atkins on a Transformers versus GI Joe and got someone writing it. Like, I don't know. I don't Mike know. Costa? Yeah. Put Mike Costa on it. Hey, I'll pick up that title all day long. So John would yeah. even pick up that title. If you had Mike Costa. I would definitely pick up that title. <laughs> and Robert drawing it, it would have been fantastic. So That would be awesome, man. That's that's like one of my dream books. Yeah. You got Transformers and G.I. Joe? Oh, my God. You would draw, draw that all day long. I would. <laughs> So, oh, well. but, hey, uh, we are getting, but I mean, we keep getting some new 80s properties out there. Um, we're getting, uh, there's a title out there right now by Lion Forge. They just produced, uh, the first issue came out, which was, uh, I, I always screw this title up. So, oh, I got to look it up because I'm going to screw it up. It's like the Saber Riders. Oh, man. Um, um, I always, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but they are they are they're the other company that's kind of looking to pick up some of those a lot great eighties ones, yeah. I mean they they were doing like Miami Vice and Knight Rider, right? Yeah. So it's Saber Rider and the Star Sheriffs. Oh, okay. It's a mini series. <laughs> it looks very manga ish, which is what the um you know, the, the original cartoon was it was an anime cartoon. So it's yeah. right in line with that. Um I have the first issue of the miniseries. I have not read it yet, but I was very eager and I was very hopeful once I saw the artwork for it because it fits in line with what the cartoon was like. It is one of those, it is one of those obscure cartoons that Robert, you and Chuck would be like, I never even heard of that show. That's one yep, of those shows. I don't think I've heard of either one of those. One of the, <laughs> it's one of the shows that Ryan saw as a kid that no one else remembers. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he watched everything. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's called uh, Saber Rider and the Star Sheriffs, and uh, it is a miniseries out there by Lion Forge. Um, 
I am, I'll read the first issue and I'll, I'll let people know. I'll post a review of it on our Facebook page, the group page, which is where I do put some comic reviews every once in a while. So uh, check that out. You'll find out if I thought it was good or not. <laughs> the art looks good, so I'm hopeful for the, the story as well. So I think that's everything, guys. You got anything else you wanted to throw out there before we close this one? This is a nice long episode for people. So Yeah, really. Um, yeah, there's a few things I'm working on right now that people can check out. Uh, I'm doing, again, more of these uh, Ninja Turtle covers for blindbox.com, and you can see all those. They're like the toy variant covers. Yep. Um, I've got I'm doing, all of them so far. Yeah, so I'm doing a, a um, I've done a few like covers for Zenoscope too. They're not like the girly pinup ones. So that's <laughs> not my jam. But there's there's a new book called Death Force uh, that's kind of like a Punisher type book, and uh, and their Robin Hood girl character. I, I did a cover for that. Oh, cool. And um, anyway, so I've done quite a few of those, and then. I'll be doing more. I'll be doing more covers for Valiant uh, this spring that you'll see, and then of course this book that I'm working on. I don't know how much I can talk about specifically what it is, um, but as soon as I can, I'll kind of get it out there and start promoting that too. Awesome. But I'm on a regular book right now too that uh, should come out in the fall. Awesome. And where can they always find your stuff, Robert? All right, so it's Robert Atkins Art, uh, kind of across the social platforms. So it's Robert Atkins Art on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and my blog is just robertackensart.blogspot.com, which I post on as frequently as I can. Cool. And you can see his Sergeant Rock uh, helmet correction that he did oh, recently. Geez. <laughs> yeah, thanks for bringing that up again. <laughs> and John, where can they find you at? Sure, you can find me on Facebook. John, as it was uh, pointed out last time, J-O-N, Thurmond. Uh, Twitter, John underscore Thurmond. And... Uh, with the Virginia Comic-Con at vacomiccon.com. Cool. And you can find Star Joe's. It's at starjoes.com. You can find us on Twitter. It's at Star Joe's Podcast. You can email us. It's starjoespodcast at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-J-O-E-S. Leave us a voicemail, and we will uh, listen to it and respond to it on the air. Uh, leave us an iTunes review. We do have a couple iTunes reviews uh, just recently, so I'll have those for next time along with our contest winner. Uh, the contest did end at the end of March there, uh, but my bad. I didn't have the names ready to draw from a hat. I know Robert's shaking his head at me. Uh, <laughs> we will have that for the next episode, so stay tuned for that. Um, you can uh, find us on Facebook. There is a fan page which you can like, and a group page, which you can ask to be a member of. And the second I f- see your request, I approve it. Um, and we have an awesome community on there. People are posting stuff every day, uh, and people are, are talking about everything and anything geek-related. Uh, some stuff related to the show, some stuff not, but I, I love all of it. Um, man, I don't even have to post stuff anymore. I just respond to stuff other people are posting, which is, <laughs> which is just great. Um, but on that group page is where you will see comic reviews from me from time to time, stuff I'm reading, and then I just post reviews, stuff related to the show, stuff not related to the show. Like I said, I will have that uh, that uh, Saber uh, Riders and the Star Sheriff comic review will be posted on there once I read that. I am going to post my reviews of the G.I. Joe deviations and the Transformers deviations, 
as well as the Ghostbusters deviations. I did read the Ghostbusters one. It was okay. There's things in it I liked, things in it I didn't like. So um, I will post that review uh, this weekend, actually. So that one will be out before this episode comes out. Let's, I think that might be everything. You can find us on Stitcher Radio. You can make Star Joe's one of your favorites. You can also find us on the Podbean app. So Stitcher Radio app and Podbean app are both available for you free. And uh, let's say you can make Star Joe's one of your favorites on there. Um, if you go to uh, what we used tonight, blab.im, it is a conference website where you just need a Twitter account uh, to sign in. And uh, if you follow Star Joe's on there, uh, you will, you can actually be notified of when we are doing an episode because when we create an episode, I can actually put a blast out there on Twitter to let people know that are following us that we uh, are doing an episode. So you can listen to us live, <laughs> which is interesting. So uh, <laughs> we'll try to notify people in advance when we're going to do an episode. So if you want to like listen to us live, you can. Um, I think this is kind of a neat way. And you get to see us, which is the creepier part of it. So... <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, and occasionally I, I bring stuff on onto the screen for, for the guys to see. So we got Ghost Rider there right now <laughs> uh, with his mouth open, screaming at Robert, get your work done, get your work done. I know. Or occasionally <laughs> I'll show what I'm working on. Yeah. yeah. So that's- uh, there's one more thing. I, I should have been, I should be promoting this more than I do. I don't know why I don't so much, but I kind of want to mention too that I, um, I, t- I teach online classes with the Comics Experience. Mm-hmm. So if you go to comicsexperience.com, uh, you can follow them on Facebook or Twitter also. Uh, it's just an online educational program where we teach people basically how comics are made. And you can take uh, various writing and art courses. We have a number of people who have gone through our program and are working professionally now. Um, I've worked with Andy Schmidt. He created it and runs it. He was my editor at IDW for four years he worked at Marvel and Hasbro and a number of other places. And so it's his program. Uh, but I've been working with him for the past, you know, four, four or five years on comics experience, uh, teaching there. And I've kind of developed the art curriculum for the entire program. So that's something else I do on top of my comic book work is I teach regular online courses that you can take. So if you're interested in how comic books are made, if that's a, a passion or a hobby of yours that you'd like to know more from professionals, how, things are done, then you can check out the courses there or the, the workshop that you can be a part of. You can also listen to, they have a free podcast. So just search comics experience on iTunes and you'll come across that as well. And it's Andy and one of the other moderators on the forums that do the regular podcasts where they have, they just talk about how comics are made and they have guest uh, artists and writers there all the time. So it's worth checking out if you're into that. Gotcha. I'm, I was trying to make John crack up while, Robert. He's making me chuckle with his toy collection, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And just when you think that's like the last of what I have, I doubt that. I doubt that. (laughs) (laughs) So so that's awesome. Yeah, the comic experience is definitely an awesome course. Uh, I have been tempted for a long time to to sign up for the writer one uh, courses that are there and stuff, but we'll see. Might Might be sometime in my future. But I do know that there's been a lot of awesome creators that have come out of that. So definitely check that out. All right. I think that is everything. If not, we'll get it next time. Right. Yeah, I think we're done. So we will go ahead and close the show by saying the force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone.
fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe. It's Major Blood and the Cobra Copter. They're after Gung Ho. Get the G.I. Joe Dragonfly Copter. Wild Bill to the rescue. Major Blood, look. Let's get out of here. Cobra's turning tail. Wanna lift good buddy? G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe Dragonfly Copter comes with Wild Bill, other figures and equipment each sold separately from Hasbro.